And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the Hoopsville Marathon. I am your host, Dave McHugh. We are on air for at least 12 hours today. Uh, we hope you are enjoying this one. Uh, it is probably one of the craziest I've ever come up with, but one of the more enjoyable shows that we do. Lots to talk about in Division Three, and sometimes we just need to blow it out. And so we're blowing it out here on the fourth annual Hoopsville Marathon. Of course, it is in conjunction with our Hoopsville fundraising efforts. If you are so inclined and feel like uh, helping us stay on the air and improve what we do, um, there's plenty of marathon or uh, fundraising information on our website and, of course, on uh, this show page. Please consider that. We have a lofty goal this year. We'd love to cover at least half to three-quarters of it today, if at all possible, with these efforts. And we hope we uh, you know, justify those donations of yours, and we thank you for doing it if you have already. We even have some perks in there. If you want to get some Hoopsville swag or a T-shirt, um, you may be able to do that through the donations. Of course, you can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Uh, Twitter and Instagram, same username, at D3Hoopsville, and using the hashtag Hoops. And, of course, on Facebook, where we're live simulcasting this Hoopsville Marathon, along with the rest of our shows throughout the season, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. And don't forget, you can always email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. Be a part of the Hoopsville mailbag segment, which is uh, great for those of you who may not be able to watch us live. You get to listen to the podcast or watch us on demand. You get a chance to uh, join us or answer us, ask us questions. We'll answer them later in the Hoopsville. Again, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. All that information scrolling at the bottom of your screen. Throughout the show uh, today on this marathon, we do have a few pre-taped segments just due to segments that we aren't able to do live due to scheduling with certain guests. Uh, it is what it is, and it also gives me a little bit of a break to visit the bathroom or maybe get something to eat or drink. Hope you don't mind that we're not fully on air all 12 hours, though the work is certainly there. One of those segments is today. We're going to visit with uh, a, a partner of Hoopsville. Last year, the first year, we partnered with the Women's Basketball Coaches Association, and it's been a tremendous honor for us and has been a wonderful uh, partnership with some tremendous interviews. One of those big part behind it when she found out about it is the executive director for the WBCA, Danielle Donahue, and she joins us in the city of Salem. Hoopsville Hotline here on this Hoopsville Marathon. Danielle, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks, Dave. I'm excited to be able to visit with you. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. Obviously, last year we had an extended interview opportunity in San Antonio, and it was certainly well-received, so I appreciate you taking the time to join us again. Um, first and foremost, um, obviously, you know, you're two years into this, but I have a feeling you've almost been uh, running a sprint. You have been rather busy at this job. Yes, I, I wonder what, what years is in dog years. That's, that's <laughs> the it, it's been uh, it's been a fantastic two years for me and certainly for my staff and I'm very proud of where we are at this point but I know we have a a, a ways to go so I'm I, I'm thankful for uh, for the progress that we've made and certainly I hope our division three members are proud of where we are uh, but their their support and encouragement and recommendations are so vital as we continue to build on what we've done and and we find uh, a future together. Uh, certainly not a knock to anybody in the past. You're the third uh, executive director in the 30 plus years of the WBA, and this is not a knock at previous regimes or how it was run, but it almost feels like you came in and decided to do a rebuild. Was that something you discovered when you took the job, or was that almost an impetus you were, you kind of were directed with when you ahead of time before actually taking the job? Yeah, when, when I was hired, 
there had been some substantial work done by our board of directors in terms of rewriting our bylaws, uh, addressing changes in our board of directors structure, uh, as well as, as some strategic thinking in terms of the way in which our board envisioned the WBA moving forward. And so there, there was a considerable amount of work done before I was hired. And then once I was hired, certainly it was, it was my responsibility to equip our staff and make sure that we were able to not only fulfill um, what was given to us and, and the direction given to us, but to do our own homework and look a little deeper in terms of um, what possible solutions we needed to create, um, what, what things we needed to build, and then what relationships certainly we needed as we move forward. So um, it, is, it, it was certainly an effort that was made before I was hired, um, but I, I found myself very quickly jumping right into the trench, and, uh, and, and I was very excited with the commitment of all of our coaches as we are taking uh, strong steps moving forward. I think something that surprised me is the, obviously there's a lot that goes on with the WBCA. You know, I, heck, I saw I, I would assume was a staff member of yours uh, in a Chicago airport last March. You know, we were not, you know, at the same event. I was at a men's basketball tournament. I don't know where that staff member came from specifically, but it, my point being, you could run into a WBCA's person almost anywhere in the country for any, especially in the months of February, March, and April. But I'm surprised it's only a $2.5 million budget, and I and I equate that to that's about the middle ground for a lot of Division three athletic budgets. Um, it, it feels like it's a much bigger organization than that. Well, I'm, I'm excited. That. Uh, <laughs> I think that we have a, we have a tremendous staff here. I, I have, um, including me, we have 12 full-time employees and, during our convention preparation season right now, we have two very impressive interns that make up our staff. And so we have a, a mighty 12 um, plus a couple of interns to uh, hopefully give a, a great deal of service to all of our members. And certainly um, from the Division Three perspective specifically, one of the things I'm, um, I'm really proud of now is we have, we have leaned into um, identifying ways in which we can serve each division of our membership um, better and and more effectively. And one of those ways is to to create liaisons on my staff, where um, of course I float amongst all the divisions. Um, my deputy director she floats with all divisions, but with the remainder of my staff, we have primary and secondary contacts um, that have been assigned to each division. And so I, I have a, a small team that is focused on Division Three every day, and I'm, I'm pleased with that. And, and we have little teams that are assigned to each division in our as well. So um, I, I'd like to uh, – I'll accept that compliment, and, and we will continue to try to work to, to do a better and better job as, as we move forward. But I, I am pleased with the progress we've made, and I hope the Division Three membership can feel it. I think they will. We'll certainly talk more about that. But you mentioned it is upcoming, held during the Women's uh, Championship Weekend, the Final Four, I should say. Of course, we call it Championship Weekend in Division Three. We're not allowed to technically call it the Final Four. The D1s call it the Final Four. It's coming up in Dallas, March 30th to April 2nd. 
Um, I think a lot of people don't appreciate the fact that, you know, that those final four men and women are really the chance for coaches to come together. What is the purpose though, of the convention for the most part? Yeah, I would say at a high level, the purpose of our convention, number one is it should be our, our family reunion every mm-hmm. year. It should be a, an opportunity where coaches uh, from all levels together and enjoy fellowship with one another the, the second purpose certainly is education. You know, we provide a great deal of education for our members in, in the form of on-court teaching, of classroom teaching, um, different uh, speakers and opportunities for coaches. Other, um, we've, we've just launched this year a mentoring program. So we hope that, that coaches will, will also not only learn from the speakers and the presenters, but um, but have an opportunity to sharpen one another, support one another, and, and learn from one another. Um, number three in terms of the convention, also to celebrate. Uh, we have some amazing coaches in our membership that have accomplished so many things. And the WBCA award series in terms of, of those awards that our coaches vote on in terms of creating a, a historical evolution of our sport is so important we award student athletes we award coaches and we award some other individuals in the form of administrators or media personnel that help our game evolve and and all of those awards are determined by coaches votes and so in the highest regards by those folks that that earn those awards and receive those awards and so that's that's a big part of, of convention as well is, is celebrating all of those outstanding, outstanding individuals that move our game forward. Yeah, I got a chance to see the convention uh, on a walk-by status uh, last year. I was almost worried about walking in to see what was going on because I, I, I was worried I'd get, I'd get stuck in there. And on a good reason, be, be overwhelmed to want to see more, that I, I resisted the urge. That I just I kept walking past a lot of the things going on, but I was blown away by how much was going on. You you talk about the mentoring program. I know that is something that that you are proud of and others are proud of that has started up at the WBCA. But what do you what do you truly mean by by that mentoring program? How is it devised and what do you hope the goal of it is? Yes, I I'm, I'm excited to talk about the mentoring program cuz a, a little over a year and a half ago our current president Coquise Washington was was getting ready to assume the presidency for uh, for the WBCA board, and one of her biggest priorities was to create a program where coaches could help one another and support one another and encourage one another. So, Coquise was the one who gave us the charge of creating a mentoring program that would that would stretch across our entire membership, every level. Um, every amount of time in the game from our rookie coaches to our veteran coaches, and that we would connect people to help one another, and that this mentoring program would run across the entire season and the off season. Coquise um, smartly delegated it to our vice president, Jen Rosati, who was our chair of our professional development working group that sits underneath our board of directors. And so we had a team of coaches from our board help help create a pilot program the pilot program that was launched we had some 
pilots that were one-on-one mentor relationships, Hmm. and we had some pilots that were actually groups and huddles in terms of relationships. And we took all sorts of data and feedback from all those that participated in the pilot, and it was a resounding support for the group strategy. And so that's what we launched this past fall was the first effort of, of this WBCA coach-to-coach mentoring program. And what it is is it is small circles of coaches. We had over 400 in this first um, first effort. And it's, it's a monthly call, and the coaches are able to lean on one another, bring up current topics with one another, and, and receive some fantastic support and encouragement from their peers. Most of the time when you come up with with an area that's causing you great stress, one of your other coaches in our family, that they've gone through that. And being able to talk with another peer and, and having that other coach say, hey, I've been through that and I can help you through that, many times that helps um, some of our coaches' stress level. It helps them feel supported. And it also provides solutions. And hopefully they don't have to go through some of the learning lessons they can take those solutions on the fly and and implement them immediately. So um, the the mentoring program concept has just launched for the first time this this past fall, and we hope that every year we will have more and more members want to participate and feel like that's a real asset for being a member of the WBCA. Interesting program. You also talked about the awards process earlier and almost kind of a combination of the both the awards plus what this mentoring program has become inaugural 30 under 30 award or or honoree last year um five division three coaches three of them heads head coaches were were part of that first group of 30 uh interesting enough one of the assistants has now become a head coach and we had one of them alex ritchie on the show from orglethorpe on sunday evening uh, that feels like that's part of that mentoring system to honor those who are certainly doing well at a very young age uh, and almost spotlight them and then kind of use that as, as part of your mentoring. And they almost feel like they go hand in hand. Well, they really do, Dave. And the 30 under 30 program is something that I, I believe our members have been anxious for. Hmm. We have so many talented young people that are coming either right off the basketball court as former players or young folks that have been part of basketball growing up and they want to coach and they get into the ranks and they are so excited. They have incredible energy. They, they value the responsibility of being a coach and leading and mentoring young people and they are flourishing at early, early ages. And so the 30 under 30 program for us is certainly a way to highlight and spotlight some of these exceptional young folks. We want to encourage them to continue to grow. We want to encourage them to continue to spread their wings and climb in this profession. But at the same time, we want them to also find um, like coaches that can support them as they grow up and as they evolve and as they go along their coaching journey, you know, so many times um, our, our coaching family is so big, it's also helpful to create smaller classes of people that can lean on one another. And we hope that these 30 under 30 classes will be able to um, form great friendships. They can one another. And then certainly for our greater coaching family, it's a way for us to, uh, 
to encourage them to say well done, but also that we expect great things from you. Um, we don't want you to stop growing just because you've been um, identified as, as someone who's fantastic at a young age. We expect to be even better as the years come on. Um, obviously, a lot of these things can be found on the website for more information. The website, kind of back to that kind of rehab or rebuild of, of, the, of the WBCA, the website certainly was a major part of that. I know you're proud of how that website has evolved. Amazing things on there, and I'm saying that on a serious point of view as a non-coach. The coaching libraries, the scheduling portal, and, and some other things on there. The, the website has really become a must-go-to when maybe in the past it wasn't so much. Well, I appreciate that feedback, and I'm, I have a big smile on my face right now because we have, we have spent so much time, and, and we have, have really redesigned our staff in order to make sure that we serve our coaches throughout their coaching journey and we serve them throughout their season. And, and years and years ago, times the, the time that you were able to, to serve the coaches was at the convention. It was in person. It was five days yeah. a year. And there was such a focus on, on that, that important in-person time. But, but today, we, we absolutely want the convention to be special. We want everyone to attend. So need to make sure we are feeding our coaches and supporting them the other 360 days a year. And so we we have rebuilt our website. We've 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 put so much time and strategy and effort into what the website is becoming. And we hope it will be a great platform to interact with our members. We want our members to always feel like there's something there for them in terms of education but also in terms of community. We have lots of ways for members to interact with one another um, through different blogs, through the coaching library, through the scheduling portal. As you, um, We want to make sure that we are a conduit for our coaches to interact and support one another and for them to make sure that they're equipped with the tools that they need to be successful throughout the year, whether it's during the season and the off season. Um, and, and we want to make sure that we have digital uh, resources using technology to our advantage, as well as the importance of the in-person um, gatherings and, and in-person education. So the website is going to be a, a huge win. Hopefully it, it has already become that, but we, we look forward to our website playing an even more vital role as we move forward. Talking to Danielle Donahue, uh, Executive Director of the WBCA mm -hmm. on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline here on this Hoopsville Marathon. We are pre-taping this interview just in case anybody is curious uh, as uh, schedules allowed. Coach, uh, I, coach, I'm so used to calling my guest coach. Uh, Danielle, um, you're, you had told me previously you'll be heading to Grand Rapids to the Division III uh, championship weekend for women's basketball. But this isn't your first trip. You, you've made this a point to make sure to, to see the championships on all levels. Absolutely. I, I This will be my third time uh, to be able to, to join uh, the folks for the, the D3 final four this year. And, and certainly this is, this is my uh, approaching my third year on the job. So yeah. it's been very, very important to me to, to support and to, to be there in person, um, every level of our membership. And certainly the D3 championship, the final four is, is very important so many of our members and and frankly i wanted to be able to see it i wanted to be able to experience it 
I wanted to be able to understand um, what what it looks like, what it feels like. I'll tell you, in, in the first two visits, um, the, the last two years, I have been so impressed with the quality of coaches that have advanced to that level. I have been so impressed with the folks that serve on the NCAA Division Three Women's Basketball Committee. Those D3 members of that committee, I, I was blown away. Many of them are, are coaches. They are also administrators. They can do everything. They are some of the most impressive people that I have, have been around. And so it has been an absolute joy to be able to visit the D3 Final Four every year. It has been also exciting for me when, when I go, um, I'm able to bring one of my staff members with me, and it's usually someone who is, is working on D3 on our staff. And we have, have so enjoyed the banquet the night before the, the first two games happen. And, and that banquet, we're able to present WBCA awards. We get to, to uh, recognize the All-Americans, the Player of the Year, and the Coach of the Year at that banquet. And it's just a special time. It is so well done. And I, I really respect and admire all the folks that have put so much time and effort and a labor of love into building the Division Three level of our game. And I, I, I'll tell you, I'm very impressed with the product on the floor, the quality of play, and the, the quality of individuals um, that I've interacted with at, at the D3 Final Four each year. Um, do you ever be able to come away from that with ideas of how to improve the weekend uh, in any way, shape, or form, or at least when ideas are presented, be able to thus, because you've been there, have an idea of what everybody's, well, I think that's obvious. You do have an idea of what everybody's talking about, but is it give you an opportunity as the head of the WBCA to appreciate how we can improve the weekend if it needs improvement or what changes could take place to, to make it a bigger deal? I'd, I'd like to think so, yes. Um, I, I have been very fortunate also to be invited to meet with the Division Three NCAA Women's Basketball Committee. And, and in those conversations, certainly in, in, committee, in, in committee meetings that are away from the Final Four, as well as, as able to interact with those committee members at the Final Four, I have been able to to work with them and certainly listen to them. My intention is for the WBCA to be a resource, to be a supportive partner, and to be an, an entity that is is a real asset to level of the game. And so it, in order to understand how we could serve, it, it's important for us to be there. It's important for us to be in these conversations. And, and I also will, will give a shout out that, that so many of these coaches that serve on the the NCAA women's basketball, many of them are, are in our conference captains program, or they are poll voters, or they sit on awards committees, or they sit on our board. There are so many Division three coaches that are serving the WBCA in, in various capacities. And so um, when I'm able to act and listen and observe um, this pinnacle event, there there are so many allies and and fantastic coaches among the ranks that that I do feel that over time we will be able to uh, to be supportive and hopefully be a great partner uh, for ideas that are generated and and for opportunities to take advantage of moving forward. 
before we let you go, I got a couple questions just in the sense of uh, maybe the future uh, of things with the game or, or in general with your job. First one would be as, as much as we've talked about what has gone well for the WBCA and, and, and how the rebuild has certainly been uh, received well. I know uh, from the from point of view, not that the WBCA was a common topic, but in the last few years, there's certainly been much more feedback that I even I hear from women's basketball coaches on how well the WBCA goes. But we all know there's the other side of it. What What is the biggest complaint either you get from Division Three coaches or you get from coaches in general that you guys are still working on? Well, Dave, we're working on a lot. <laughs> we're sure. working on a lot. And, and, and I think um, with any business, there, there are always, um, always opportunities to improve. There, there is always ways to be, um, to be more efficient with what we do. And if I had to say one of the biggest complaints, I, I guess it would have to be regarding cost. It would be the cost of, of attending convention. Um, the cost of traveling to convention, those sorts of of cost um, cost challenges for for many of our Division three members. Um, so many of them have shared with me that that their school is unable to pay for those costs. So many of those costs are coming out of their pockets. Yeah. and and so we we are listening to that and and we certainly want to make sure that we are creating an environment where our members can participate with us and and that they are all these. Um, to serve them and and help them um, participate to to the fullest extent that they can, and so from the cost perspective, I, I can tell you that we we have strategically tried uh, to invest in our website so that we are able to serve and 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 interact with them from their desk uh, at at work um, and, and on their phone when they're when they're able to uh, to travel and they're they're looking on their phones or their iPads, you know, being able to have a, a digital presence with mm. them every day. Um, we also are looking at at strategies of of having maybe some some regional offerings so that that possibly our d three members don't always have to travel all the way to a convention sure. if it's not in area. Um, so that's on the on the hopper for our professional development working group to be working through. Um, and, and then I, I will also say that from a from a cost perspective, you know, we we send out surveys all the time, and and the the survey results we, it, it's loud and clear that we do need to address cost. And and so I can tell you, and I can tell your listeners, um, we are trying to figure out ways to to meet that need and to make sure that our D three members um, understand that we hear them. And that we are going to react appropriately to uh, to create better working relationships um, with with their needs. I will say that I have a I have made a a, a huge commitment um, in my conversations with D3 coaches that that D3 is a priority for me. It's a priority for our board. It's a priority for my staff. We need Division Three coaches to be a part of our membership. We want them to feel appreciated and valued. And, and we need their expertise. We need their service. We need them to be a part of our family and, and participate with us. So when you look at the numbers of membership, we, we, we have probably half of the Division three possible coaches as members, and, and we intend to grow that number. And so whatever we need to do um, to demonstrate our commitment, we are listening, and we are committed to making sure that we are able um, to meet their needs 
and to also provide an incredible value to help them at wherever they are in their coaching journey. Uh, another thing that's interesting, of course, in your short tenure, the biggest change in women's basketball were the rules in the college game, <laughs> going to quarters, yep. five fouls, timeout changes, advance the ball uh, in the final minute, and obviously many other major and minor rules. Uh, I think one in Division Three that we really haven't experienced is the uh, music during any stoppage in play, so I can't even speak on that one, but I do know it's there. Um, <laughs> But we're at that point where a reevaluation of the rules is there, uh, or evaluation of the rules in general is there. And I know you're involved in the rules committees as well. Is it safe to ask what changes or conversations or adjustments are on the table right now? Yes, um, the, this is a great um, recent topic, and and it is on the front burner right now as. As you know, and as many of, of, of our members know, coming up this May, the um, NCAA Women's Basketball Rules Committee will meet, and yeah. it is a rules change year. And so as a board, our WBCA board of directors, we have a, a working group that is dedicated to playing rules and officiating. And that working group has been discussing playing rules changes to recommend, and our board has endorsed some of them. Um, supported some of them, and then we have a few that are on the on the docket to <laughs> discuss at our board meeting at the convention uh, in April. So, a couple of them that I think are are interesting. Um, one, no reset on the 10 second backcourt count when an offensive team is charged a timeout. So basically, okay. um, 10, wow. 10 seconds is 10 seconds. Oh, so um, no bailout. No, no bailout. Okay, Another interesting. One, Another one is, is continuing to support the 30-second shot clock. Um, there is mm-hmm. some, some conversation out there. Should we go to a 24-second oh. shot clock? And, um, and our board is, is supportive at this time to okay. keep that 30-second shot clock. Um, another one to, to add is, is we have seen an increase in flopping, taking a foul. <laughs> yes. And... And our uh, our board definitely is is uh, is in favor of of making that judgment um, more responsible to the conference offices. Interesting. Um, okay. Having the conference offices help um, facilitate the importance of sportsmanship and of things. So um, encouraging no flopping or, or no faking fouls in, in that regard, and, and hopefully the conference offices will help us with that. Um, a, a big, big one that, that is under discussion right now. We have not had a, a position yet, and, and this is one that we will be discussing um, in April as a board, is regarding free throws and the opportunities for substitutions around a free throw sequence. And so right now the, the, the position that is supported is that you could substitute before the first opportunity hmm. of the free throw sequence could substitute after the free throw sequence, but not in the middle. And so this would be a, uh, this would be a, a position that would, would continue to support the, um, the, the length of the game and making sure that we're being um, efficient with our time and we don't have too many situations around those free throw sequences, right? We would we would want to have a, a substitution before and a substitution after, but but certainly not one in the middle. Um, a, another one that I could add also is um, in terms of the three seconds call and and having a player have to establish 
position outside of the lane um, and that when they establish that position that both of their feet need to come outside the three-second lane in order for that three-second call to uh, to start over. So uh, that's a FIBA, FIBA rule that, that is um, is being supported right now, and, and we will be discussing that in April. Uh, finally, I'll, I'll add this one is, um, is really open-ended, and, and certainly this one will be uh, a discussion topic for years and years to come. But um, the growing, growing use of technology mm. in our game, and, and what role should technology play as, as technology evolves and, and as our playing rules continue to, uh, to, to be um, changed and as our playing rules evolve over time, you know, what role should technology play and how much of technology should we allow to uh, continue to be a part of our game and, and what should we add? As, a, as an example, in the NBA, they've allowed iPads Mm-hmm. Um, on the benches now, right, and and that is not allowed in our game. So that's a uh, in our college game. So that's a th- those are a couple of nuggets for you. I think our board will have a, a, a great spirited discussion in in April, and then we look forward to uh, pushing some recommendations forward for the rules committee to consider in May. Certainly fascinating. Uh, some of those rules ideas. Uh, I, I... Well, get me even thinking. Uh, I kind of like that. Uh, we look forward to seeing where that goes in May and obviously beyond uh, and see where it goes. Obviously, two years ago, uh, I don't think everybody really expected all the massive changes, and, and here they came. So we're, we're not on May do, but it's interesting to hear some of the adjustments the women will do. Before I let you go, because we do need to let you go, uh, I, wanna, I wanted to point out, it's on your graphic as we speak. It's popped up a couple times. Uh, give you a, uh, Have a little fun with your educational background. Yeah, Not that so you here. didn't go to a Division three school. We won't hold that against you, but... Uh, find it interesting. You had a bachelor in systems engineering at Georgia Tech, and then you got a master's degree in sports management from Tennessee. You feel you you seem conflicted. You, <laughs> it's like you didn't really know where you wanted to go. You had that's a heck of a bachelor's, and then a very interesting master's. <laughs> well, I I appreciate. I'd like to think I'm not too confused. No, no. But- but I'll tell you, I, I had a fantastic experience as a student athlete playing basketball at Georgia Tech. And, and the industrial and systems engineering major, for me, I love puzzles. I love uh, making things. Uh, I, I, I love math and science. And so the industrial engineering major was, was what fit me. And I was really excited to be able to, uh, to push myself in the classroom in that regard. As, as I moved into trying to figure out what I was going to do with my degree, um, <laughs> my, my mom asked me two important questions. The first question my mom asked me was, was what's your passion? And, and I quickly said, well, of course, it's, it's basketball, it's sports. And she said, okay, well, what my second question for you is, is who do you want to learn from? And and I think that's such a great question for a young person because my mom has always encouraged me that, that when you're young, who you learn from is more important than what you do because you are going to take on their habits and you're going to how they make decisions and, and you're going to, you're going to take in that environment. And it's so important as a young person um, to learn a culture. And so it didn't take me very long to say, you know, I, I'd like to learn from Pat Summit. And so I was so lucky to have the opportunity to go from 
student athlete and and move to Tennessee and work under Pat Summit and be a graduate assistant first and and get my my master's in sport administration um, and then become her director of basketball operations. I was at Tennessee for seven years and yeah. and I'll tell you that that master's degree fantastic uh, in the classroom, but it was also it, it was priceless to work under her and and learn from her and learn from her staff and be a part of that culture. So um, I, I think on paper it might look confusing, <laughs> but in, in terms of, of my journey, I wouldn't have had it any other way. Nah, I, can, I got a, a, a bachelor's of arts degree with a business background, and I've used, used my business background next to, no, next to nothing. So uh, I can appreciate <laughs> that undergraduate degree maybe not necessarily being the focus of, my li- of your life, but uh, I also think putting puzzles together in basketball kind of goes hand in hand. So... Um, amazing yes. story, and thanks for sharing that with us. I'll let you go, but as always, we give the uh, guests the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? Yes, Dave, I, I appreciate the time today, and certainly we are very thankful to our partnership with Hoopsville. And just for the, the listeners today, um, please know that, that the Division three um, portion of our membership, these coaches, they are so important to us. They're important to us today. They're important to our growth. They're important to our game. And so um, our desire is to make sure that we continue to pivot our business and serve our Division Three coaches very well. And we hope that we can be a part of your journey um, every day of, of your career. And certainly once you retire, we still want to be a part of your journey. We want to be your family. So, Dave, thank you so much and, and really um, if there is any feedback or recommendations from our Division Three members, we are listening, and we want to make sure we, we meet your needs. Well said. Thank you once again for a, a, an enjoyable conversation. Love chatting with you, and we'll look forward to talking to you sometime down the road. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you so much, Dave. Absolutely. Danielle Dana, you're joining us again from the WBCA Executive Director. Appreciate her taking the time. Uh, certainly, we're very thankful to have the WBCA now on board with Hoopsville coincides very much with uh, her coming on board, the change in direction of the WBCA and our ability to then partner with them. You're watching the Hoopsville Marathon presented by D3Hoops.com. From the WBCA and ABC studios, more of the marathon coming up next. Basketball lives in Kansas City at the College Basketball Experience at Sprint Center. The College Basketball Experience is the place to get your game on. It's not a museum, it's an experience you won't forget. Discover the history of the game in the National Collegiate Basketball Hall of Fame, featuring the Gallery of Honor, Mentor Circle, and Honor Theater. Suit up in the CBE-logoed Nike gear at the CBE Hoop Shop. Elevate your game today and visit the house that college basketball built. It starts right when you hit the court. You imagine your finest moment. The game-winning shot that gets you to the dance. A monster dunk or no-look pass, and cutting down the net. Sports lets us dream of our own success and prepare us for our finest moments on and off the court. I'm a current Division III student athlete, and I remember how intimidating the first year of college can be. So if you're a first-year student athlete, and nervous about coming out as LGBTQ. I pledge to stand by your side as your ally. If you can play, you can play Division Three. We are.
I did receive a non-athletic scholarship upon entering uh, school. I got the presidential scholarship, which was huge for me. I think there's more opportunities for academic scholarships in Division III. I did receive academic scholarships. Just being involved on campus, being a leader, all those things combined kind of get me recognized. It's a great experience for me. And welcome, everybody. Hope you are enjoying the marathon. We are <clears throat> over three hours into this, almost, well, actually, four hours. Yeah, we're coming up on four hours, what I mean. We're three and a half hours into this show. Going 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Eastern time. It's all thanks to uh, Division Three basketball. We're covering it the best we can. Of course, um, we also have the Hoopsville fundraiser. We'll get an update on that. We are up to 10 backers. Appreciate that. We're 7% of the way to our goal. Love to have 50% of the way to our goal. And to be honest with you, we could do that if, if, if uh, like, 15 or 20 people just gave very little bit. Uh, we could get very quickly to our goal. Uh, it's not that hard. Um, I want to thank Danielle Donahue on the previous segment for joining us from the WBCA. She talked about those in Division Three. Um, where, oh, by the way, just got a message. Uh, Chad Grubb saying, loving the show, killing the time on the five-hour drive to Alpine. <laughs> well, that's one way to, to tune into the show. But then, you know, Donnie was mentioning all those people in Division Three who certainly have contributed uh, and, and given back to the organization, especially in the spirit of Division Three. Uh, three that she did not spend, mention by name, but ones that she wanted me to make sure to understand to you out there. The work by Christy Thomas Cuddy, Mary Beth Spurk, and Pat Manning. Thomas Cuddy, the head coach at Emory. Mary Beth Spurk, the head coach at Moravian. And Pat Manning, the head coach. And board members, uh, committee members have been an integral part of the board. We talked to all three of them at some point about being on the board. In fact, last year, the very first WBCA Center Court segment featured Pat Manning of Williams. However, in the challenges that we have had on this show from occasion to occasion, we get some gremlins. And gremlins showed up with that one, and we uh, unfortunately, a lot of you did not get a chance to hear the Pat Manning segment. With that in mind, we thought it would be a perfect day to go touch back uh, with Pat, also get her sense of what's going on in the Northeast and the NESCAC, but more importantly, talk to her about the work that she does in the WBCA. So joining us on the City of Salem hotline, Hoopsville Hotline is Pat Manning, head coach of Williams. And once again, Coach, welcome back to Hoopsville. Thanks, Dave. It's great. Great I, to be with you. I appreciate you taking the time. We'll talk about your team, who's 13-7 and seven overall, 2-4 and four in the NESCAC in a bit. But really, coming off of, of Danielle's segment and, and being the – this is you know part of the, the WBCA center court, um, I really wanted to get an opportunity to, to do what we did last year and maybe get more people to hear about the work that you've done with the WBCA and giving back to basketball. You've been a board member for, for quite a while now. Right. I think I'm fourth or fifth year in. in. Um, I enjoyed it. And uh, Danielle has done an incredible job uh, moving us forward and especially being a voice for D3. And uh, the fact that the relationship now is with um, you guys and and the WBCA is fantastic as well. Yeah, I'll admit, I said at the end of the last Danielle coming in, it changed the relationship that I've had with the WBCA, and you were certainly integral with that, along with others like Melissa Hodgson at, at Wheaton of Massachusetts, and of course, Christy and, and Mary Beth. You, you're the trio, though. Christy, Mary Beth, and yourself are one heck of a trio. Um, I would say definitely full of energy. Uh, Mary Brett, 
crazier of the three, but you could disagree if you want. <laughs> um, but you guys have been an integral part in the last four or five years of what Division Three has meant to the WBCA. And almost from what I've gathered, helped push Division Three back into the, into the forefront for the WBCA. Yeah, well, we have so many members. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, there's four, over 450 years plus schools. Um, so we're, we're such a, a large part of the membership. And we just felt at times that um, things were being catered more toward D1. And we just wanted to make sure that all the D3 coaches had a voice as well. And um, it's it's what Danielle wants, what the the uh, board wants, and it's what should happen. So, really happy with the direction, and we're we're really um, moving forward in a lot of different ways. All of us are on different committees. Um, the committee that I work with is uh, chaired by Courtney Banghart from Princeton, and uh, it's the development committee. Mm-hmm. And we're just um, now working on setting up a series of whiteboards that will occur in uh, four or five different areas throughout the country. And we want to involve not only uh, D1, D2, D3 coaches, but also high school coaches are a large part of our membership as well, and assistant coaches. So we want to give everyone access to um, programming and, and just education and further professional development in the sport. Yeah, you're talking about that professional development, and, and you know maybe somebody doesn't fully understand the coaching realm. You wonder, well, how can you – professionally develop any better if you're already a head coach and kind of doing the job in what aspect can even the most experienced coach take advantage of a, of a program like that well it's everything's changed so much i mean the use of technology you know mm-hmm. i think of when i started at williams 27 years ago um we didn't have any any of this technology so um the way that people recruit is so different now we break down film is so different um so the way that we gather information about our own players, so the recruiting aspect, I mean, it's all just so different. So um, we need to stay on top of things and, and stay on the cutting edge. So I, I think that these professional development opportunities are a fantastic way to do that. And we're, I put a, um, we, we were able to poll the membership, uh, the D3 membership, to see what areas they're interested in. Um, and a lot of it came back with, recruiting and technology so those are our big focus of ours going forward when you look at the division three or the wbca membership as a whole but certainly on the division three level obviously not everybody's a member and that's the same with the nabc not mm-hmm. everybody's a member if you were to try and pitch it and explain why it's so important outside of what i think is the obvious if you're in a profession and there is a professional organization you should probably be a part of it um, side of that, what would what would be the selling points for why the WBCA is so important, especially at the Division Three level? Yeah, that's such a great question. Um, you know, the convention is is a major is is sort of our sort of highlight of the year, um, where we put on a tremendous amount of programming. So you need to be a member to be able to register for that and take full advantage of all of those opportunities. Um, there's you know, just all, all different kinds of um, presentations, on-court presentations, roundtables. Uh, our business meeting happens there. Just sort of the, the life of, of the game is, is at that convention. Um, but outside of that, the website is tremendous. You can – every speaker is recorded, and every on-court presentation is recorded. So you have access to that. Members have access to that throughout the year. You can access that at any time. There's also a, a lot of 
um, you're, you're kept up to date with anything that's changing in the game, any rules changes, um, anything that's just going on in the coaching world, any sort of, you know, normal news. But, but also just being able to access um, speakers, the, the top coaches in the game um, that, are, that are interviewed or, or that are giving clinics. And all that is accessible through the website. A tremendous library of drills, of plays, of sort of anything that you would need is on that website. And that's all available to members. And why is it so important to you to give back to the game? I love this game, and I've you know, I spent my life um, in it, involved in it. And I, I just feel like um, it, it's growing so fast, and it's... Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's just it's just amazing how it's taken off, and and it's been a it's been good to me. The game's been very good to me, and um, you know, I just feel that it's my responsibility to help help move it forward and to make it even better. And we have so many young people that are interested in pursuing a career in some aspect of the game, and I just think it's the responsibility of not only me but all of us that have been around a while um, to help help them. Uh, find their way so that they're able to take over and, and lead us forward. Um, I know this might be a little bit of a touchy subject. I'm going to have to ask Danielle about this. I know there was at a time where, especially in the WBCA, the, the split between the women's coaches and the men's coaches was, was pretty obvious. You know, the different dynamics. Obviously, women wanted more women's coaches in the, in the realm, and I've certainly seen that number increase. How has that relationship evolved over the last few years? Um, overall, I mean, well... Yeah, we, we want to, you know, the game is the game. Um, yeah. But obviously we, we want to push um, developing our game and not just being sort of an offshoot of the men's game. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we are our own entity. And, and so I, I think it's, I you know, speaking from personal experience, our, our relationship with our men's program here is fantastic. I mean, we're all on the same page. We're all attempting to do the same thing. And I really think across the board you'll see, a lot of the D3 coaches, we're not in competition with, we're in competition, you know, uh, yeah. to move up in the women's ranks. So I, I think it's key that we're not seen as, um, you know, just sort of, well, there's the men's game. Oh, yeah, and then the women play too. I, we just want to be, um, our, our skill level is strong. Our, mm -hmm. our, we have incredibly talented athletes, coaches. Um, you know, the game is, it, it look at our look at the top 25 that that you've listed yeah. and the records of those teams and the quality of play of those teams and the athletes on those teams it's amazing so um yeah we're not second fiddle to anyone we <laughs> we are equal footing uh with the men and, and we made a couple changes um in our final four um <laughs> yeah yeah a couple but uh, you know i think going forward we um at our final four now, we used to play a consolation game. Yep. You remember that because you're always there. Um, we aren't going to do that anymore, and we're we're really pushing um, to get an all-star game, which is what the men's team has, uh, the men's program has now. They gave up their consolation game a few years ago. Yeah. So we're trying to move on to that. And then we're also exploring options. Um, do we want to have sort of a joint championship where we highlight both uh, women's and men's programs. So all, a lot of this is sort of in the works, and we're, we're still trying to work through things. But, um, no, our, I think we, uh, as a whole, D3 coaches work well with others. Yeah, no, <laughs> so, that's, a, that's a fair point. So we, uh, we all want each other's programs to do well and, and to succeed. Um, we should uh, certainly talk about 
the team that started 10 and 2 overall um unfortunately has has had a rough second half of the season and it all started with the Amherst game on on January 6th unfortunately lost five of your last eight uh but you still find yourself in an interesting uh conference race here um you're sitting at two and four um and my brain all of a sudden freezed up back in sixth place tied with Trinity Colby and Hamilton um right. so obviously this is this is nitty-gritty coming down to the end and ahead, you've got Wesleyan, Connecticut College, Tufts, and Bates, two and two away and then home. How's the season been for you? It seems like it's been the tale of two cities almost. It is. And we, um, yeah, we can't, couldn't quite put our finger on what happened in, in January. Um, you know, the first semester, we had a lot of close games, but it, we were playing at a different level. And we went to Arizona, competed out there, a tremendous tournament, um, and, and came back feeling really good in early January and, you know, definitely hit a wall when we played Amherst. But if you see, have you seen Amherst play yeah. yet this year? I've seen yeah, them on video. <laughs> they're good. They're, they're really good. Um, <laughs> yeah. pretty. So um, our conference is loaded as always. And, you know, there's, there's a lot of young talent in our conference and we just ran into the wall a little bit, uh, a couple of times, but it's funny the, I think this last week we've been, We've had great practices, a um, lot of energy, and we're feeling comfortable and confident about um, the stretch run here. Um, talking to Pat Manning here, head coach of the women's uh, squad. Uh, obviously, four games left and trying to get into the conference tournament. Uh, every single one of these is going to be important. Right, right, everyone. Yeah, we only played 10 conference games, so there's not a lot of uh, room for error. And unfortunately, we dug ourselves into a little bit of a hole, but um, – <laughs> I don't know. This uh, I, I like my group. I work hard, and uh, there's very strong leadership. So we feel good about what's what's ahead. Would love to talk more about the team, but we got to get to our favorite part of the WBCA Center Court segment, and that's our questions about eight or so that we always ask a coach. We actually asked these um, back when you were on the first time, so you have an unfair advantage, maybe direct come up. But like I said, not as many people heard them, and I love some of the answers, so I'm going to ask them again. Um, if you don't mind having a little fun with us. Okay. Don't overthink them not right off the top of your head. Real easy. Uh, first start with a uh, favorite thing about coaching, especially in division three. Oh, it's the, it's the kids, it's the relationships that you have with your players and, and your over the years. And just, uh, it's, yeah, it's all about the relationships. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? Biggest pet peeve. Um, I think taking things for granted, you know, some, uh, not not competing as hard as you can, and just uh, just sort of assuming things will happen. So I, I that's crazy. <laughs> I understand. You got to work for you got to work for everything you get all the time. Sure. Uh, obviously, we're at the end of the two-year rule cycle here, so this one will be interesting. What's your favorite rule or nuance to the game? I really like the quarters that that we're playing quarters, and I and I also love that you can advance the ball in the last minute. Oh. You know, I was these rules when they came down and um i've really i've really enjoyed it i think it was a smart move and um has made the game more exciting and so i'm really happy with that i'll i'll agree with you on the first one we'll talk some other time about the advance okay all right <laughs> what rule do you want to help us this year oh of course i know <laughs> what rule do you want to see added removed or changed um it drives me nuts with some of the the two-hand touch, the hot stove, all that sort of stuff. You know, mm. I think they call that. Well, I guess they call it like they're supposed to call it, but it just <laughs> it makes me a little crazy. I, I just, I know they're trying to clean up 
the game and, mm-hmm. and make it, you know, a little less physical, but I kind of like physical play. And um, so that that sometimes I think is overcalled. That in the travel is just way overcalled. Okay. Sometimes I don't think we get our kids get credit for um, some of the great fakes that they have, and, and they get called for travels when there always travels. Okay, I can see that. Um, let's see here. The next one is uh, any pregame ritual or superstition? Oh, man, I have a lot of signs that happen. Um, yeah, we, we it's funny because our team, we always kind of look for signs, and, and the kids now get to a point where they're like, well, this happened or that happened, so, Coach, it's a sign. Um, so we, we you know, stick, stick to our standard routine of, uh, you know, walkthroughs and, and getting to a gym at a certain time and, and all that sort of thing. But I think it, as far as I don't have one specific thing, but I look for something on that is kind of a sign, which is kind of crazy, I think. But I some some days I feel like it works. I'm, whatever works, Coach. <laughs> whatever um, works. What's your tra- craziest travel experience? Um, well, that was the one. I think I had told you this last yes. year when we were uh, <laughs> we were playing in the NCAA Jessica, and there was a major wrestling tournament going on, a regional tournament, so there weren't any rooms in Ithaca, so we stayed in Cortland, which is, uh, I went to Cortland State for undergrad, and so we were able to practice there. It was, it was fantastic. Um, but we were on our way, that team, it was my Final Four team, 2012-13, had this thing about eating in diners. So um, anyway, we had to, trying to get to Ithaca, um, or trying to get, sorry, to Cortland, over back to the gym to do a walkthrough, and the it, bus broke down, the, a tire, we had a flat tire. Mm. So as we're sort of trying to figure to go, um, the bus pulls into an empty lot, and in this lot there happens to be a basketball hoop. And Cortland in March is usually snow-covered, but yes. it was a pretty sunny day, so there was very little snow. We had a ball on the bus. So we actually, I take that back. We didn't have a ball on the bus. Now that now that I'm remembering this, um, we pulled anyway. We pulled in. We did a walk through using snowballs to <laughs> uh, to show you know to pass the ball around. But the best part of it was a car followed us in as we turned in, and it turned out he recognized that we had a flat tire. Job he repairs large trucks and buses, oh. so he was able to fix the tire. It, we walked to the diner from where we where we were. Everything worked out perfectly. We got to the game. We won the game. It was perfect. But that was pretty unusual. The kids loved it. I mean, we're out. We're out really, literally in in the snow, um, snowball, and you know, tossing it into the hoop. So uh, we may try that. May try that on our way to Wesleyon tomorrow. There I don't you know. go. Do you have enough <laughs> snow? Uh, yeah, we got some snow, so oh, we lucky. could do that. We've had a yeah. lame winter down here, so you're lucky. Yeah. Um, how would your assistant coach best describe you as a coach? Um, hmm. I think they think they think I'm laid back, um, which I I am, but I also um, like to prepare a lot. They laugh at that sometimes. That um, I don't leave any stone unturned. I want to know everything that I possibly can about a team. And so I think they, they know that about me, too. Um, and then finally, when you retire, because uh, all coaches eventually do, what do you hope uh, will be remembered, or how will you hope people will remember you as a coach? Um, 
I hope they remember that I really cared about my players and that I that I um, was there for them and and uh, just remember how much I love Williams, how much I, I I've just uh, so enjoyed my time at Williams and being able to work with the type of kid that we have and and our athletic department as a whole. Um, there's a lot of great coaches at Williams and I've been able to learn a lot from them and uh, great sense of camaraderie here. So I think I. I, I would want to be remembered as someone that helped uh, make Williams a little bit better place, and um, but it, but definitely the relationships that I built with with people here. Well said, Coach. Congratulations. Uh, wonderful uh, to have you back on the show uh, for what you do. Obviously, women's basketball uh, is synonymous with Pat Manning and Williams, and we're glad to have you on the show to talk. Obviously, four games ahead. We wish you luck. Hopefully, you're into the conference tournament. I think it's a wide open tournament after that despite Amherst and Tufts. And, yeah, that's uh, going to be a fun game tomorrow. Yeah, uh, yeah. That, you're absolutely yeah. Everyone's going to be keeping an eye on that one for sure. Uh, as always, give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? No, I just want to encourage everyone, if you aren't a member of the WBCA, to join. Um, I think the convention is a tremendous opportunity to network. And um, not only do you have the opportunity to gain knowledge, but just to network and see each other in a social setting. Um, you get to know each other a little bit better. Um, so I, I definitely encourage that. And those of you that are members currently um, become involved in the organization, we could, we always need people helping on different committees. And um, I think it's really worth and it. It's added to me tremendously. I mean, I've really enjoyed the relationships that I've made with not only Mary Beth and Christy, but also everybody else on the board. And I'd like to thank you, Dave, because you've you've done a tremendous job over the years um, of, you know, helping grow the game as well and, and uh, being a for D3. So I'm just really happy that we now have that good relationship with uh, D3 Hoops and, and the WBCA. It's great. Well, thank you, Coach. Appreciate the kind words as well and well put about becoming a member. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Look forward to talking to you down the road. Great. Thanks a lot, Dave. All right. Take care. Okay. Take care. Bye-bye. Pat WBCA Center Court segment from Williams College. She's a board member for the WBCA as well. Again, the team, Wesleyan Connecticut College, Tufts Bates. That's what they've got ahead of them. She hinted at it. Tufts Amherst, women's basketball. They're facing each other tomorrow. We'll talk more about that later in the show. But Williams, 13-7 and seven overall, 2-4 and four in the conference, looking to make the conference tournament. For the break, we're going to stick with the Northeast here and talk to Coach McDevitt at St. Joseph's and get a little bit of a preview of the GNAC. And then Rusty Egan will join us to give his take on the Northeast or part of the Northeast. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com for the WBCA and ABC studios. We have plenty more of this marathon ahead, so stick, stay tuned. There's so much to talk about, and we even have the fundraiser to update you on. You're listening to Hoops Hope. Back with more after this. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division III student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and community. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. Our obligation to help those who have their own special needs and whose love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division III teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division III campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field. 
reaching across the country to coach and mentor Special Olympics athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. I used to never really talk, ever. Uh, I was afraid if I said something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. Welcome back to the Hoopsville Marathon, folks. Hope you are enjoying the show. Yes, I'm your host, Dave McHugh, and we're still clicking along here in this 12-hour odyssey. A 12-hour odyssey that usually goes more than 12 hours. We're just that crazy. If you got questions for us, you can always send them for our Hoopsville mailbag segment, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com. We'll try and answer some questions throughout the show. And, of course, we'll answer questions on a future show. Speaking of future shows, there's a Sunday show coming up on Super Bowl Sunday. No, we will not go on it at 7 o'clock. Absolutely not. We don't want to compete against the Super Bowl commercials. Uh, we will go on the air about 1 or 2 o'clock in the afternoon. We are still determining that. Stick with us on uh, Twitter at D3Hoops or hashtag Hoopsville to find out when we're on the air. Or on Facebook where we're simulcasting all of our shows. Uh, you'll find out when we're hitting the air on Sunday as well there. And on Instagram, we'll promote it there as well, at D3Hoopsville and hashtag Hoopsville. By the way, Facebook, facebook.com slash Hoopsville. Of course, it all scrolls at the bottom of your screen. So check it out there as well. Um, talk Northeast basketball here. Just got done talking uh, some Northeast basketball as we speak with Rusty Egan, our friend from the Northeast. So we're going to keep the theme here and talk about a conference we didn't really dive into on the women's side too much, the uh, GNAC. Uh, being, um, I would not say controlled by, but certainly the team on top and control for the most part is St. Joseph's of Maine. They're undefeated, but they only got a game lead on a manual and a two-game lead on Suffolk. And guess who's coming up this weekend? Uh, Suffolk and Emmanuel. So St. Joseph's clearly has some work to do ahead of them in the final five games of the regular season. We haven't even talked about the conference tournament. Joining us on the City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline is their head coach, Mike McDivitt. Coach, welcome to Hoopsville, sir. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate you taking the time. Um, we'll talk about the Super Bowl in a bit, you maniac. But uh, in the meantime, you got to be thrilled with how this team has performed this season. You only have three losses at 17-3 and overall, 11-0 and in the GNAC so far. Yeah, no, we're, uh, we're excited about the start, but as you... Uh alluded to in your introduction we've uh, we've got a lot of work left with five games left and they're all conference games and uh they're all against uh you know tough opponents and um some are on the road uh you know at Suffolk for our game that's going to be uh you know a real good test for us but um again just real excited about uh you know the season to date and looking forward to finishing strong hopefully the last couple of weeks well and the other twist and we'll probably talk about that in a moment. The other twist to this whole thing is the simple fact that you haven't played these two teams uh, this season uh, in a in a twist schedule. But back to the to the season, uh, second game of the season, unfortunately lost to Husson seventy seven fifty. I'll be honest. I look at a result like that, and I and your team and what happened last season. I think to myself, uh oh, maybe this season isn't going to be what we expected. I know it's game two, but were there any thoughts on on the campus for the same? <laughs> uh, certainly on my uh, my ride home, there was you know a lot of thought. Uh, we we had a couple of circumstances. We had a couple of players that were out. Um, 
we had played a game previous to that, and to be honest with you, thought we had played pretty well. So it was a surprise. But, you know, since uh, we've been able to get those players back, uh, I think it's of our team. But, uh, yeah, you, you kind of wonder, um, you know, this maybe this is going to be that year that we look back on and say, wow, uh, that's going to be a tough year. But uh, the kids, in all three losses, in all three, uh, if you check the, you know, the score, the margin, you look that we, we, we got killed in all yeah. three games. Well, that was kind of that was what I was going to bring up next. I said, then you go fast forward to January twenty third, uh, in non conference play against the University of New England. Same idea, seventy four forty five. Is it just a matter that these games are kind of like, oh, just didn't you know? We're not there. When you're there, you're winning. When you're not, it just doesn't go very well. And <laughs> yeah, and and certainly that's a big part of it. But again, I think uh, you know a little bit of a combination of uh, personnel. You know, health wise, wasn't yeah. quite exactly where we wanted to be, but uh, take nothing away from the University of New England. They totally uh, outplayed us. But uh, again, I, I, as a coach, I kind of like games like that because certainly as a non conference game, didn't hurt us a yeah. bit. And it allowed me to kind of recapture my team's focus and say, uh, hey, we're not quite where we want to be if we want to be one of the better teams in our league. So let's, um, you know, get back to work, maybe pay a little closer attention to what we're, we're trying to emphasize here. And, uh, again, to our team's credit, after all three of those, started playing much better and continued to, uh, you know, win some games. So uh, a unique dynamic, but, uh, you know, I'm really excited that my team's responded the way they have. You had won eight straight going into that New England game, 14 in Division Three. You did have that non-Division Three game against Southeastern Florida. Uh, you came back from – break went down to florida played one game and then headed out is is, is this one of those traditional main trips where you just got to go get warm somewhere uh absolutely we do it every, <laughs> we do it every other year so uh, a player here at st joe's uh gets a trip to uh florida and then two years they go to california so either okay. they're freshman and junior year or a sophomore and senior and we do that basically because it's just about two years to sure. to fundraise for a trip but yeah you you know if uh, you've ever been in the northeast oh uh, yeah if you spend a week in Florida or California in uh, early January, uh, that's a good thing. So yeah, we'll try to do that. That's yeah. a fair point. Uh, there's enough snowbirds in Maine who will head to South anyway, right. uh, living-wise. Uh, though we'll have to talk you into the Las Vegas uh, trip sometime, the D3Hoops.com Classic. You know, Maybe not <laughs> California, but it's it's nice in Vegas that time of year. Absolutely. I love Las Vegas. Been there once and, and had a great trip. Yeah. See, there we go. We'll have to yeah. do that sometime. Um yeah. But the other thing that I find interesting too is, as you point out, that you know you kind of lay eggs, as it were, in those games. You know, you got five left. You got the conference tournament left, and hopefully the NCAA tournament. So, how? You know, what's the secret, if you even know what it is, to maybe keep the team from doing that again? Well, if I knew that, I'd be writing a book, and I wouldn't be coaching. I'd be, <laughs> uh, you know, probably probably in Las Vegas enjoying myself. There you go. But, sure. Uh, sure. No, nah, you know, I think really. Um, Every game, because your opponent's, you know, different. Um, I think in, in those three losses, certainly in two of them, you know, the non-regional game against Southeastern, they were just a far superior team. So I don't know if it had mattered if I'd suited up. But um, in the two, uh, you know, with the Hudson loss and the UNE loss, um, tended to snowball. So it was kind of a negative effect that just kind of grew and grew and grew. And we just weren't able to kind of get refocused, even if it were at halftime so to speak, to, to kind of change that momentum um, that those two teams had, had kind of gained against us. So hopefully as we move forward, um, you know, the gaps in intent and playing hard won't be quite as large. And if there is one, maybe we'll be able to quickly kind of right the ship and uh, 
not have to experience a, you know, a one-sided, lopsided game like uh, we did in those three. Talking to Coach Mike McDevitt, and the head coach of the St. Joseph's women's team out of Standish, Maine. Chind is 17-3 and overall, 11-0 and in conference play. And, and, and here's the quirk. The two teams chasing you, Suffolk and Emmanuel, who are also both having pretty good seasons. You guys haven't played each other this year. You'll right. face each other for the first time this weekend. You'll travel to Suffolk uh, on uh, Saturday. And actually, I shouldn't say weekend, as Emmanuel will be played uh, the following week on the 7th. So a little bit of a, deceive, a, little bit of a deceiving date there. How do I mean? That's a an odd, not an odd time, but it's a tough time to face a team for the first time, especially in conference play. On top of the fact that these three are in the conference race, how challenging is that for you and and possibly the team? Well, I guess first off, to kind of explain how that dynamic took place, yeah. we we um, split our conference into two divisions, a north and a south, where we would play uh, teams within the division twice and teams outside our division once, and both Suffolk and Emmanuel are in the southern uh, division. So that's what kind of, you know, how it kind of led us to the fact that we would be playing a team for the first time this late, you know, in the year. Normally, most conferences, I think, are set up that you play a break twice and would have clearly seen, um, you know, an opponent um, at least once before that. But certainly um, in wall tape, of upcoming opponents, we've we've seen you know both of these teams play a lot against our opponents, and uh, you know I got a lot of respect. I mean, you know I think our league is is pretty lucky in that the coaching is is at a very high caliber. When you talk, you know uh, Emmanuel and Andy Ozanoff, who's been there for well, I wouldn't even ask, but it's mm-hmm. probably close to 40 years, and Eddie Lydon at Suffolk, uh, probably similar to myself, you know 20 something years. Um, you know, there's a great deal of experience leading these teams. So I know certainly I'm going to have to have my A game going forward as a coach because I'm going up against some guys that are seasoned veterans that have been there before. Um, as far as the GNAC, when it comes to the schedule, as it were, you still have to finish on top of your conference, right? Because that will will, will that determine um, who hosts still? I mean, that hasn't been decided, has it? Um, no, and in fact, um, it, uh, all new to us this year with the divisions, uh, we're going to cross over. So uh, the okay. number one team in the north will play the fourth-seeded team in the south and vice versa on the other side, and we'll play it to the end that if we got to the point that, for example, both num- number one seeds uh, advanced all the way to the final, uh, those teams would have only played each other once, and the winner of that game would then earn the right to host the championship Interesting. Game. So it's not even nope. who finished with a better record will come nope. down to the head-to-head. No, nope. no. Nope. And we we kind of thought that uh, that was kind of a the fairest way to determine who should host that game. Again, if it is, um, you know, a head-to-head battle, which we certainly could have two teams from one side um, finish um for the championship game, and then it would be ter- determined by the higher seed. So really the tie-breaking, the complicated tie-breaking that we faced in years past really was uh, you know, kind of eliminated, certainly when it came to uh, you know, hosting a championship game. And obviously if there's any upsets, it's just down to seeding. Yeah, whoever's yeah got the I, best I don't seed. believe, you know, in fact, I, I probably should know this, but I don't believe we reseed either. So if, okay. if, uh, if, uh, if four were to beat one, um, you know, whoever inherited that, you know, next opponent 
um, you know, would be able to at their place, but they would play that opponent. We're not reseeding after the quarterfinal sure. round. Sure, no, it yeah. makes sense. An yeah. Interesting co- concept, certainly yeah. a neat one, as you point out. Kind of, a, you know, you do have a, you know, the one game kind of deciding factor. And we had a graphic here, kind of indicating that you guys had a game uh, lead on Suffolk and or two games on a man. On Suffolk, one game on a That's just in terms of the conference record. I right, don't want right. to confuse Overall, anybody. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Um, so I love the concept. Certainly going to be interesting to see how this plays out, but it even adds more intrigue to the weekend. How much do the players truly understand what this Saturday's game and um, what Tuesday's game is going to truly mean? They have, you know, a real good understanding of it. Obviously, as coaches, we. We stress conference play. It's nice to play, excuse me, good out of uh, conference opponents. They help you prepare for your conference. But really, certainly for us, usually it's whoever wins our conference gets that NCAA bid. So we're we're much more focused on those conference games. And I, I'm sure both Suffolk and Emmanuel's teams are, mm-hmm. you know, kind of looking at our game and and our guys are as well. That this is, you know, this is a big uh, two game stretch, uh, you know, for us. Uh, you got two seniors on this team, uh, Emily. Is it? Kyo? Kyo, yep. Kyo, oh, wow. I, sometimes I can miss those. Uh, um, are your two seniors, uh, but it's not seniors leading the way. Kelsey McNamara and Emily Benway. Benway with 15.3 points a game and 8.5 rebounds a game. McNamara with 14.5 points a game and, and your top assists. Um, geez, she's almost averaging five assists a game. Um, McNamara is a sophomore, I believe. Um, and... Uh, Benway is a sophomore as well. So while you've got two seniors, it's underclassmen kind of picking up the realm as uh, picking up the reins, as it were, a little bit here. Well, our underclassmen certainly statistically uh, are some yes. of our leaders, but uh, you know, as a coach, you really value uh, the senior leadership that um, you know your your seniors provide to your team. And uh, both Abby and uh, Emily have done a great job uh, keeping this group together. Probably, probably much more so than I even know. After maybe some of those really bad losses that we took, there was probably a lot more uh, keeping it together from their standpoint than there was uh, from mine. And um, in Emily's case, she's actually just coming off uh, an injury that you know uh, forced her to miss uh, nine games. Mm-hmm. So uh, we're just kind of getting her back, um, you know, as it be. So uh, yeah, our, our four leading scorers uh, are all sophomores. Yeah, Hannah Marks and Julia uh, Champagne are the yeah. two who are up there. And, of course, six points plus uh, from uh, Abby Eastman, Ray, uh, Reagan McFerrin, and, and, and Brianne Maloney. So you've got a lot of depth there in that sense. And obviously an injury to a player like Benway will help with that depth as well because um, you've got to force somebody to grow into it, as it were. Um, but outside of that, while I talk about depth, depth, you don't have an overly large team. You've got somewhat – I don't want to say small, but you know I'm used to rosters of maybe 15 to 20 deep for whatever reason uh, in recent days, in recent years. We're talking about a roster of what? 11. Yeah. 11, right? Yep. So, yep. you know, is is that just not maybe by design, but by circumstance? Um, certainly not by design. Yeah. Uh, we had a we had a, 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 a substantially larger group that were returning, and for different reasons. Um, some either deciding not to play or deciding to go, you know, maybe to a different uh, school or two. We were down um, a little bit in numbers. I, uh, you know, for me um, to have a, a good rotation of nine or ten uh, works great. Um, so at times, practice can be a little bit of a challenge, and when you throw in a couple of injuries, so we've even had to, 
get a little bit creative with uh, whether it's a coach practicing or a staff member, even a boyfriend of uh, <laughs> you know one of the uh, you know our team members. Uh, so we've had kind of a cool uh, you know band of uh, you know different players uh, helping us along the way, and I've really uh, I really appreciate it, and I've really enjoyed it because it's added a different dynamic to uh, to my coaching that I've never uh, never had to deal with. Was a practice dummy in college myself. I know how that can, uh, and I emphasize the word dummy uh, just for the record. I, I totally get how that works out. Um, it's been hard. Maine basketball, if anybody doesn't know, in high school especially, is as big as as they talk about in Indiana. It is huge. Um, is it hard to stand out as a college team in the state of Maine as well, um, even if you are succeeding like you are? Well, um, I mean, you're right on. Uh, high school basketball in Maine is, is really a unique uh, experience. And the further north you go, <laughs> I, I think even the more unique yeah. um, um, it is. But even, even you know, our part of the state, southern Maine, um, you know, Tuesday nights, Friday nights, Saturday nights are uh, special times in, in a lot of communities because of uh, how communities rally uh, around their high school boys and, and girls basketball teams. As far as standing out, we, we, we really are in a, uh, a unique situation here in Maine. A lot of good Division Three women's basketball uh, teams. I, I'm not sure if it was last year or the year before, but uh, in many years we've had four uh, teams uh, represented in the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, from the state of Maine, and, and some of that probably is due in part to uh, we have a number of different conferences that play uh, have members. You know, from the state of Maine, but uh, women's basketball, Division Three basketball in Maine is, is is very good, and a lot of our rosters, mine included. Uh, have a number of um, uh, women from from the state of Maine, mm-hmm. so uh, I think it's uh, it's certainly I feel I have to go too far outside my area to attract uh, players that I think can help and contribute, uh, you know, right away in my program. And we should point out St. Joseph's on the eastern shore of Sebago Lake. As a Mainer myself, somewhat, uh, I will tell you that's one of the more beautiful locations. Uh, Sebago Lake is massive lake in the state of Maine, which is saying a lakes in Maine. Um, and Sebago Lake's one of those. You guys have a prime opportunity, though. You, as a graduate, did try to spread your wings a little bit. You used to be coach of St. Joe's, and then you went off to southern Maine uh, to be at one of the more revered programs in the state, um, and even got a you know a year of head coaching there. Uh, I'd love to know quick experience, and then what drew you back to your alma mater? Uh, well, uh, for different reasons which obviously we don't need to go into right now i i I decided to uh to leave but my love of um coaching basketball has never you know wavered and i was lucky enough to uh have established a a long time uh relationship and i think mutual respect with gary fifield at the university of southern maine and um was able to stay there uh part-time uh for five years as an assistant coach while i worked in the uh private sector as a sales and marketing manager for an oil company uh, in Maine, and then was lucky enough when Gary decided um, that he was going to step down to be named the interim coach, and had the head coaching position there for uh, for one year. Uh, as far as my reasons for coming back, I, I think there were a couple. Uh, I think one, when you are a graduate of a place, you you certainly develop some real strong ties, and and I uh, feel a very strong love, you know, for St. Joseph's College, and wanted to do anything I could to. You know, better the school, and I felt one by coming back. I thought that you know maybe I could do, 
you know, continue to do a good job, you know, coaching the women's basketball program here. And, and probably more importantly, uh, certainly from a parent standpoint, my daughter was actually finishing her, um, her freshman year here. And by coming back, it allowed me to, uh, to be her coach for three years. And I know I'm sure there's a lot of coaches out there that have had that uh, unique experience, and it's one that I'll, I'll always cherish. Uh, certainly, um, you know, our relationship is in a place that I don't think it could have been if I uh, hadn't been her coach. Now, she may argue that it was <laughs> the worst three years of her life. I was going to say, you may have loved it. Did we actually check with her about this? <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, as luck would have it, I, I was able to convince her to stay with me for the next four years afterwards but, as an assistant yeah. coach. So I, I think she had a pretty good time. She and, felt uh, the evidence was in, in line yeah, here. <laughs> exactly. And, and I think her, certainly her mom uh, enjoyed uh, being able to come to one game yeah. and see us both uh, you know, be part of it. So, uh, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time I'm one of the luckiest guys around. I mean, I'm, I'm working at a place I love, doing something I really love. And, you know, you hear that old cliche, uh, you know, find a job doing something you really love and yeah. you'll never work a day in your life. And uh, I haven't worked a day in a long time. So certainly the last eight years since I've been back, it's, uh, it's been really cool. So, That's awesome. Uh, yeah. Well, I appreciate you taking the time. You mentioned earlier how you're in southern Maine. I want to point out to anybody, uh, those in northern Maine would argue you're in northern Massachusetts. Um, know how they argue about that up there. Uh, but in the meantime, like I said, beautiful location. Obviously a great season, 17-3 and overall, 11-0 and in the conference. Obviously two huge games coming up. Look forward to seeing how those turn out. Um, but we'll let you go. As always, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those who may be tuning in? No, I just... Appreciate uh, what you guys do. Um, I think it's it's a great uh, forum for Division Three uh, basketball and, and definitely women's basketball. Uh, I enjoy the website and the podcast and all the different things that you do, and, and I'm sure there's a lot of people around the country that uh, feel the same way. So thank you. appreciate all your efforts, Dave. Well, thank you. get it as well, uh, especially coming on, because it makes our job easier, as we say. Uh, good luck the rest of the way. Good luck in the next two especially, and we'll uh, look forward to catching up with you down the road. Great, thank you. Mike McDavid joining us from the Monks of St. Joseph women's basketball team. Uh, again, big games against Suffolk and Emanuel coming up, but they've got five more to play, period, before the conference tournament. And then a way of, of putting that tournament together this season for the GNAC on the women's side. Certainly going to be fun to watch. We'll find out who's dancing uh, in not that long a time. Uh, we'll continue talking Hoopsville Marathon here, and we'll continue talking Northeast basketball probably a little bit later as well. But when we come back, we'll switch regions and switch gender, uh, and we'll even give you an update on the Hoopsville fundraising campaign. If you've got questions for us, you know how to get a hold of us, Hoopsville at d3hoops.com on the email, at d3hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville on the Twitter account. Uh, we're going to be back with more. You're watching Hoopsville presented by d3hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More Hoopsville after this. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Three student athlete, and my teammates unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Great moments are born from great opportunity. That's what That's what you've earned here tonight. This is your time.
Now go out there and take it. I'm a Division III student athlete, and I know how powerful words can be. The term gay doesn't mean stupid, lame, or less than. So I pledge to speak up if I hear the term gay used in a derogatory way or any other homophobic terms. If you can play, you can play in Division III. I'm a Division III student athlete. unconditionally accepted me as part of their family. So now I pledge to do the same for others. If you can play, you can play in Division III. Helps to unmute the channel. Welcome back to Hoopsville. For those of you wondering, he did it again. He's talking. I can't hear him. Everybody, hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got questions for us, don't forget the Hoopsville Mailbag 7 coming up. I know there's one person who's emailed us, uh, and I'll apologize now. I haven't been able to answer your question uh, regarding, um, where was it, regarding uh, the Mac Freedom. Um, Glenn, I promise you, I will get you that answer sometime soon. I will even email you back as to when to do it. Um, hope you're enjoying the show. If you got questions, email us, hoopsville at d3hoops.com. And also join us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hoopsville, um, you can, where we're simulcasting the show. Also join us on um, Twitter at d3hoopsville and hashtag hoopsville. Uh, and plenty of other things as well. Got a few emails in here. I apologize. We've been so busy. I will get to them in just a bit. We're going to keep the Northeast topic going along, despite what I said there at the end with Coach McDevitt. Uh, we are going to keep the Northeast segment. When I originally said that and pre-taped it with Coach McDevitt, uh, we were going to move on to a different topic. Uh, I had to shift some things around. That's what happens, and that's why I shouldn't have done We're going to stick with the Northeast, and we're going to go to the uh, City of Salem Hoopsville Hotline. And joining us is an old friend of the program, Rusty Egan, SID, WPI. You've been at WPI as long as the show's been on the air, have you not, sir? About 12 years. I think in the early days I was uh, still at Fitchburg when we yep. had uh, yeah, Jared right. on the show. And yep. I think the, think the women were going to marry back in that time. <laughs> yep. Yep, you're it seems right. Like, it seems like many moons ago. Oh, thanks for, it's so thanks for having me, Dave. I, I, I think this is, is this the third or fourth year of the marathon? Fourth year of the marathon, believe it or not. And I think I'm a, I think I'm a four-year letter winner now. You, on you are, I believe. The only problem with this marathon is I don't lose weight. <laughs> uh, I, I, can, I, yeah. I imagine you sleep very well afterwards. No, <laughs> that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my wife, is probably, if she's listening, is laughing her tail off right this minute. Um, all right, so let's talk about a little bit of the, of the of the New England area here. We're going to split this up. We actually have Matt Noonan coming on the show later on, and we'll talk about some of the other conferences. Uh, darn big uh, that we're splitting this up, and Rusty's got his certainly knows the new Mac well, being a WPI man. Uh, let's start on the men's side. Babson is walking away with this conference, nineteen and one overall, nine and zero over, uh, in conference. They got a two game lead on, on MIT at seven and two. WPI Clark are tied at five and four. Say what, Clark? Um, it was thirteen and seven as well. That might be, I think, my biggest note of this conference, besides the fact that Babson's toying with everybody. I think things have gone as expected so far in the new Mac. I will point out, I believe this is the 19th year that this conference has been together for the men's side. No team has ever run the gauntlet. No team has ever gone wow. undefeated. So has an opportunity back. Uh, there have been several teams go 11 and one before Emerson's arrival four years ago, um, and including WPI, I believe, doing it three years in a row. And and Babson's just five games away from it. Only two road games. Uh, both of them, I believe, ironically, are in the city of Worcester here this Saturday against a very fun atmosphere here in Harrington. And uh, right down the road, you mentioned Clark as one of the surprise teams, and 
And uh, I would say if you pulled the new Mac coaches, they wouldn't say that surprising. Just a just a just an older roster, well coached, um, and they've been in every game. Uh, in recent years, the new Mac has become sort of the top four. Babs at MIT WPI in Springfield, and and uh, I was just trying to do math the last three years. I think a bottom four had only beaten uh, a top four uh, three times in, in in three years already this year. Clark themselves have two wins uh, over that group over MIT and Springfield. Uh, Wheaton has beaten Springfield, uh, so uh, definitely the 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 middle and, and so-called bottom of the conference has. Uh, has given the uh, essentially everybody but Babson a, uh, a a a strong matchup. Case in point, Emerson, who has yet to win a conference game, uh, WPI goes there yesterday. needs a needs a tough corner jump shot. Uh, one second to go to get out of there uh, with a victory and uh, set up a meeting with Babson this weekend. Um, here's a finish for Babson. At WPI, then Springfield at home, at Clark, then home against Coast Guard, and MIT at home to finish it out. Can they finish this undefeated? Absolutely. Uh, they are They are that good. Will they? Um, I think it will speak to the volume of our conference. Those will be five tough games. I mean, you look at Coast Guard's record and say Six and fifteen. Um, you know, I just saw them play last week. You can never underestimate a service academy. I've learned that in my twelve years <laughs> at at WPI. I mean, you're not going to find a tougher group yeah. uh, of kids, of student athletes, to play against. So having to come to Worcester twice uh, and then playing MIT, who's got the freshman year back for, uh, from last year uh, after a uh, uh, an injury that's taken them out a significant portion. In fact, that's the team to kind of watch out for uh, there. Uh, and of course, in advance, I uh, apologize for uh, screwing up everybody's name um, in advance. So uh, <laughs> I let's get that out of the way. But they're kind of the team to to hold on to here, to keep an eye on. He came back on Tuesday, had a triple double in his first game wow. back, and then uh, at home they stumbled against Clark last yeah. week. So uh, you know, was was kind of thinking they'd be able to make a run and be on that Pool C bid. Um, I would expect maybe a WPI to be lurking on the on the boundaries of the regional rankings when they come in. But, uh, you know, Babson will be one or two when the first rankings come out. The reason I say two is uh, if you look at um, – yeah. You look at the website, I tell you, uh, Middlebury has a tremendous strength of schedule number. I know Babson's got two less losses. Yeah, um, and I'll mention this now, and I should mention it. Uh, Matt Snyder does an incredible job with the SOS. We make sure he gets the most accurate number possible. His rankings, though, are not based on all of the criteria. Correct. The first thing, correct. And, and he clearly states that. Exactly. Uh, but people and, clearly miss it. <laughs> correct, correct. Well, as a, as a former uh uh, regional committee rep, mm-hmm. uh, I find that stuff fascinating because yes. they, you know the strength of schedule is an is an important piece, and Babson's strength of schedule is five seventy four, so it's obviously, um, but Middlebury's at six twenty five is off the chart. Yeah, that, and that'll that come back is, to earth a little bit, but not much. Correct, uh, correct. You're going to eventually get up to or or down towards five hundred as you start playing. Um, exclusively conference schedule. So, yes, that will come down with that very well. I, I'd have to see what weekends they have left in the new Mac. I mean, I think they only have two, probably two conference weekends left. Yeah. Um, they could be looking at being over 600 by the Absolutely. time they, they, they get to the tournament. You would think anything six losses or less with a 600 strength of schedule and probably, uh, probably yeah. ROs in there, um, yeah. you know, that's 
from you know, the they, they'd have to go all for or one for not to make the uh, oh absolutely n- n- not to make the tournament. But nah, they uh, could lose in the quarterfinals and probably still make the tournament. Correct, correct. What you what I think what, if I could sort of look at something else next week when the regional rankings do come out. I believe it's next week for the first yes, time. You're right. Um, it is important to be at the top or even in the middle of a big region like New England to get your, um, you know, to have an opportunity to get a pool C. But if you're one of those teams, pay attention to who's at the bottom of your rankings Absolutely. because that is very important because to have results, particularly wins, obviously, but results over regionally ranked opponents are very, very important. So committees need to make sure, and for the most part, they do a tremendous job of making sure that they spend just as much time on, in New England, teams 9, 10, 11, and 12, yep. Uh, that they do on one, two, three, and four. If, for instance, uh, when your eyes on the committee, there were four Little East teams that made the rankings. Maybe RIC was at the top, and the last three were Little East teams. Yeah. And all of a sudden, the next week, all oh, there are our ROO numbers, results over uh, our ROs, uh, results over regional ranked opponents, are off the charts. Yeah. And uh, that can have a big factor in selection. I mean, a, a long time ago, it was once ranked, always ranked. Yeah, about two years ago. Uh, was it really that short ago? Okay. Yeah, well, because then la- no, I think I think it was a while. Yeah, ago. two you no, know, it was two years ago. Because then last year we went to the once only ranked, and now this year we're into the ranked for you count. I did not realize that was a new. Well, that's very interesting. Yep. So if you're ranked for two weeks out of the three, uh, when they get to selection, are they going to are they going to take that over three, three or over four rankings? Um, over the f- well, it changes. If they take it first over the three. Yeah. And then they reevaluate over the four. Okay, perfect. This last ranking. We're probably up, getting too much into semantics. Yeah, there, we're but. getting well, but it's important. The third ranking comes out. They're looking at the second week, and it's yeah. only one week, so it, 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 it gets a little tricky. Then they go and re-rank, and that's where they look at the last two weeks. And I and I always caution people: the first rankings, although they're a tremendous barometer of where your they team mean is, nothing. Twenty percent of the twenty percent of the evaluation. It, isn't even looked at because yeah, there's right. five somewhat equal criteria. I think we can agree probably strength of uh, winning percentage, strength and schedule head to head probably rise to the top. Absolutely. Uh, but the, the record versus ranked opponents it's not um, even used. It isn't even used. And by so, the way, the first doesn't matter because it's the last, it's weeks two and three that are going to be the results versus region ranked weeks. Week correct. one ultimately means nothing, it's just a barometer. Well, it can get you. It can get you in a better position for week. Yeah, potentially. I mean, there's, but there's a there's a lot of ways. And in and, the uh, end, it's going to mean next to nothing because they're going to have a couple more weeks of results to to to, to trump it. So from a from a personal standpoint, Dave, I'd be interested to get your take. Basketball is a season played over 25 games. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'd love to see an extra week for regional mm-hmm. rankings. Mm-hmm. That would have started this week. I know they try and be yes, consistent. absolutely. But when you do football, the football only plays 10 games, Absolutely. and you do soccer, which is anywhere from 17 to, to 20 regular season yep. games, you, you know, the, the three weeks make sense. You know, I'm baseball, softball, and, and basketball in particular, just I, I, this, it would have been appropriate. It wasn't that long ago. Maybe, maybe Pat Coleman uh, remembers. They used, to, uh, they used to do a ranking in mid 
would list yes. the top teams alphabetically, like the old NESCAC standings <laughs> yes. used to be. Uh, but but they list you alphabetically, and I don't, yes. I can't remember if that counted as once ranked, always ranked. I doubt it. I would. don't, I don't think so. No. But you know what? If Hoopsville was on back then, it would have given you some fodder it to talk about me. as late this episode. Um, when they did the once ranked, always ranked, I understood what we did. Agree because it was just too much. Um, Correct. But now that we're down to this other scenario, I agree with you. I do want to see one more setter of rankings. Um, before we lose, you want to jump in the Little East. You mentioned them. Eastern Connecticut on top, uh, eight and one with Keene State. Keene State's kind of maybe unper- underperformed, or maybe everybody had way too many high expectations. Both are fourteen and six. State's a game behind Eastern Connecticut. Mass Dartmouth is making a play here at six and three. Otherwise, yeah, that's just- pretty much it. They just beat Tufts uh, this past week. Exactly. Uh, depleted a, Tufts. E- e- correct. And, and that's always an interesting dynamic. The Little East is one of the conferences in New England that will play some games in December, and they start just a tad later than everybody else in January. And they, for whatever reason, I, I don't know if it's by design, they keep that they keep a Tuesday in late January yep. free. It, this happens to be around the week that the NESCAC only plays their travel partner. So, they, so the NESCAC feels comfortable doing a uh, – uh, and in week game where they don't have to, play, you know, they're not coming off playing Friday, Saturday. And you get intriguing match. I think Keene State, Middlebury, UMass Dartmouth, uh, Tufts, Western Connecticut played Con last night. And unfortunately, we did not get to see Rhode Island College and Amherst. I'm not sure if they'll make that up. I think Southern Maine played Colby as well. Yeah, I don't so, think uh, Rhode Island and 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 Amherst are going to make that up. I don't think. Yeah, because it's time. just it's yeah, it is difficult when the I believe the Little East has gone like the MASCAC uh, and joined the NUAC with a Wednesday. Um, yeah, Saturday format. Of course, the NESCAC goes Friday, Saturday. Which, well, and then NESCAC starting their their tournament ahead of everybody. So. Yes, uh, yeah, they'll start on the 18th. But if my what do we correct. make? What do we make of this LEC? I mean, is this? I mean, can Keene State rise yeah. from the challenge here? Well, they, they they played their best basketball last season, Dave, yeah. at the time, and that got them all the way to the Sweet 16. Probably not as deep of a team as as, as Ryan Kane would like at this point, uh, but after. Uh, uh, losing two games between Christmas and New Year's, one here uh, in Harrington Auditorium uh, at the universe, uh, versus the University of New England. They've only lost twice uh, at Rick and at Middlebury. They have beaten Eastern Connecticut. Uh, they've avenged an earlier loss in December uh, to UMass Dartmouth. Both those games were at home. If they're going to want to have the number one seed in the tournament, they're probably going to have to win at Eastern on the 15th their hardest. they got five games left at Southern Maine, Plymouth, Western Connecticut, at Eastern Connecticut, Rhode Island. You'd assume they'd be the favorite in four of those games, and if they win those four, uh, they'd be in a situation where all they need to do is beat Eastern Connecticut and yeah. the number one seed, and it's, it's not easy to win in Keene. It's not easy to win in a lot of gyms. No. Uh, one of those gyms where it's definitely not easy to win. And quickly on the men's side, MassCAC, Salem State's on top, in control, 13-8 and eight overall, but 7-1 and one in the conference. Bridgewater State and Fitchburg State. Fitchburg State actually, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, yeah, no, Bridgewater State was the one that looked pretty good early on. Salem State's kind of just risen up and, and surprised a few people. Yeah, I was I was real interested to see what their non-conference matchup would be uh, last week, where they played a Bates team. I got to see Bates play yeah, in our lost uh, t- a tournament, and uh, Bates lost uh, in uh, I think a double overtime game to the Sales, one of those um, you know interregional games early. It was a very entertaining game, and uh, Salem had by nine, and of course Bates last week uh, defeats Tufts, uh, so that should tell you what type of team Bates is. Uh, 
prior to the Bates game, they lost their only conference game at Fitchburg. And I think Fitchburg is a team that last year, uh, with with a lot of the same key uh, key players, were able to get on a roll at the end of the season, win uh, for the first time in program history, and then win an NCAA game. Uh, they played Williams in a non-conference game this week, lost by four. Uh, they still get another crack. Uh, Salem gets another crack at them, and they got to play Bridgewater and Framing at home. If there's a sleeper team to watch, it might just be Fitchburg State. Interesting. Fitchburg State at 10 and 10, 5 and 2. And yeah, well, I mean, Fitchburg State. Um, so, so uh, yeah, they got to go back to Salem again that Wednesday, uh, the 15th, is an interesting yeah. is an interesting matchup. Quickly, before we let you go, any notes on those three conferences from the women's side? Uh, the women's, I, I heard you talk to the, uh, the St. Joe's main coach and yep. the, how the unique divisional schedule. Well, uh, in the new act, there are teams, yes. um, and they play. I believe we played old Big Ten schedule back when Nebraska came in. Ah. Uh, we you play you play. See, this makes sense. You play everybody eight times over a five-year period. So you get sixteen games a season. <laughs> so exactly. So you know. It's an unbalanced schedule. It's not, it's not in divisions. Right. Uh, it's it's ODAC esque, but with a little little twist. Yes, with a prime number as a uh, as a number of teams uh, in the league. And the interesting part about that is Babson and WPI have one loss each. Yeah. Springfield and MIT have two. And just the ironic part of the schedule: WPI and MIT, Springfield and Babson don't play each other to the last week, the last day of the season. Yeah, that's even uh, crazier. So there's a lot of. Right, so there's a lot of different possibilities that can happen uh, there. All four of those teams uh, are capable of winning the conference tournament. I would also throw in Smith down there as as, as the five seed, as uh, a right place team, as a team to watch. And uh, the interesting battle in the MASCAC for the women is, Dave, I don't know if this has gotten a lot of play on it. There is, I believe, they, they run the Grinnell system. That would be Westfield State. Yes. I don't know if it's, a, if it's a Grinnell or a Somewhat modified. Modified. I would think that probably every way is a modified uh, way, uh, but um, they'll uh, they'll be uh, traveling to Framingham State this weekend. Framingham State is seventeen and three, uh, but got beat earlier uh, in in Westfield. Those two teams are probably the two best teams by. Uh, by a, by a, a reasonable margin there, I believe, due to common opponents, if they split at 11 and one, Westfield uh, would would get the number one seed. But uh, uh, those are two teams that you you would uh, probably not want to see on your draw uh, in a very very deep Northeast if uh, if they emerge as the NASCAC champion. Agreed. I gotta let you go, but maybe you'll join us for a happy hour. Uh, I will. I'll save all my chips and I'll uh, and I'll try and stop it. Awesome, bud. Appreciate it. Take care of yourself. Uh, um, enjoy the rest of the season. I know I'll talk to you soon. Hey, hey listen, thanks hey, Thanks for having me on this uh, 12 hours. Uh, is is one of my favorite 12 hours of the winter. <laughs> well, thank you, Rusty. Hey, um, thanks, Dave. Take care. We'll talk soon. You got it. Bye. Rusty Egan from WPI. I should mention the women's basketball team, I think, won six, seven straight there. Uh, they have, you know, we was talking about it, have entered the inter, entered the. New Mac race there pretty nicely. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to watch. Uh, Babson women, we'll have her on the show soon. She's closing in. Closing Blindstrup is uh, closing in on 600. We're a little bit behind, so we're going to take a break. When we come, we're going to go from the Northeast to Texas. We're going to talk Texas Lutheran basketball. They're the only team that's been in Trinity so far this season. Can they do it a second time? The season may come down to it, or at least the conference tournament. You're listening to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. We'll be back with more Hoops after this. I used to never really talk, ever. 
afraid if I say something wrong, everyone would laugh at me. But then I started to play golf with Special Olympics. It helped me to find my voice. And now everyone else is speechless. This is why we love sports. It's in the way they play, free from the pressures and all the money talk. Playing for simply the love of the game, where everyone has a shot at their definition of success on and off the field. This is what we love about sports and what we can still love about college sports. We've got more schools than Division One, more fans than two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to the University of New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.d3hoops.com. We are calling you, all of you. We are calling all Division III schools to join our cause. It's on us to start the change. It's on us to be the change. It's on us. It's on Division III. It's on all of us to stop sexual assault. Welcome back, Hello, everybody. Tweeting out our next guest. We're down in Texas now. We just went from the great Northeast, where we spent quite a bit of time. Now we're down into Texas. And in Texas, we find the only team that's beaten Trinity, Texas. It's the Texas uh, TLU Bulldogs. Oh, Bulldogs. I I'm making up things here at this point. Um, it is Bulldogs. Yeah, I'm correct. Sometimes, you, you know, you're in a 12-hour show. You just never know what your brain's going to say versus what your mouth's going to say. It's amazing we get through this show clean. Um TLU 16-4 overall in women's basketball. As we said, 8-1 in conference action. Um, they uh, have that uh, half-game lead on Trinity, Texas, to 7-1, but also the important win over Trinity, Texas. But as we do here on the marathon, we've been smart. In two games, TLU's got to play Trinity, Texas. Uh, so that's how we do it here. And joining us on the Hoopsville, uh, I should say, on the City of Salem Skype Hoopsville hotline, it's Mel Dixon, the head coach of TLU women's basketball coach. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate you taking the time. Um, here's the deal. Obviously, you're playing very good. Uh, 15 and 12 last season has turned into 16 and 4 this season. Um, you've got that win over Trinity, Texas, though Southwestern thanked you for that as well. We'll talk about that. You got to be right. thrilled with how the ladies. Yeah, I mean, we're playing well. We, we've overcome a couple of major injuries already this year. We've lost our starting two guards. ACL and then their best defensive player topped her Achilles. So, Oof. yeah, we lost those two early in the year, but the kids that, that took their place have stepped up and played really well. So, we're going along pretty good. What has you know, obviously injuries never good. Uh, it's not how you want, as you as they say, how you drew it up. But when you look at um, what the secret of the been to only have four losses despite those injuries to beat a trinity texas team despite those injuries 
What's been the secret? Well, I think it's uh, this senior class <clears throat> are are really tight. They uh, we recruited eight kids in that class. All eight of them decided to come here, which you know, wow. that very rarely happens that you get everybody you recruited. Yeah. Once they got here, they built a rapport, and they've just been building and building and building. And uh, the senior class has already set the record for most wins of any class in the history of TLU, well, women's basketball. So they're a close-knit group, uh, and they just love each other. I know that sounds corny or whatever you want to say, but it's a fact. They, they would do anything for each other. And uh, they just play hard together. They've played long enough together that, you know, they basically know what each other are thinking. So, <laughs> in spite of my coaching, they can still win. I was going to say, uh, when they know they're thinking, it usually means a coach is being ignored. Are you just are along for the ride here? Uh, well, not really. But <laughs> uh, if you ask some of them, probably so. But, uh, uh, you know, our, our motto here is do what we do. Mm-hmm. And they know what I believe in and what, We've preached since I've been here how we do it, what we do. They know it because anything, any, anytime anything goes wrong, timeout or whatever, those are the words they hear come out of my mouth. Do what we do. We can't run with certain, we can't do certain things against other teams. Do what we do. And if we do what we do, we're pretty good. Uh, obviously, it's the senior leadership. You're led by a senior, but 13.5 points a game and nearly six rebounds a game. Shoots 46% from the floor. Uh, pretty out, good outside shooter, good free throw shooter. Hands out three assists on top of that. Savannah Height. Obviously, she's your all, you know, go every per, uh, go everywhere and do everything person. But you also have Kristen Lye at 13.3 points a game, nearly 10 rebounds a game. She's been flirting with a double-double all season. But she also hands out two assists a game. Uh, on top of that, the, I mean, those are the two that jump out at everybody when they look at the statue seniors as well. But you have Sierra Jordan, you have uh, uh, Casey Harrell and, and Bailey Champion and, and Caitlin Rendon and, and Madison Ray. All of them have played 20 games. All of them are contributing in some way and all of them pouring in points, too. Correct. Yeah, we're not, you know, a two person or one person show. You better guard all five of us because any one of those five that we put out there, we feel like can score. So if they drop off and try to double team lie or height, you know, somebody's going to be wide open and we just got to move the ball and get it to. So uh, we're a pretty response uh, team, I guess you'd say. Obviously, obviously, with this many seniors, it's now. You got to take advantage of now, it feels like. You're playing this well. You want to do something big with this. Can this team take that step and do something big? <laughs> Well, we hope so. We'll find out. <laughs> uh, because I mean, this team has been around championships before. When their first year they came in, Savannah and Kristen Lye were on a conference championship team. We won the regular season. We won the tournament. We went to the NCAAs. They know what it takes to get there. They've been there, done that, and they want to go back. It'd be easy. I mean, you got Trinity sitting there. Let's, you know. They're very, very good. So, you know, we're taking nothing for granted, but we're not just giving it up either. So we're going to fight to the end. And if we're good enough, we'll be there. If we're not, we won't. But it's it's not going to be for lack of effort or hard. If we're good enough that day, we'll win. If we're not, we won't. 
but uh, these these kids have won a lot of games. So, yeah. you know, they're used to having their back to the wall. We're not the biggest. We're not the fastest. We're not the most athletic, but we get out a, a lot out of our kids. So we're, we're going to be in the hunt. I'll say that. Um, back to that Trinity, Texas game. I played them in mid-January, and you got the win. That was certainly huge. Um, not only for you guys, but it certainly changed the comp- the complexion of the race in the conference. Right. What's interesting is the results after that. Uh, unfortunately, it was a foul by a loss to Southwestern, 71-49, three days later. Then two tough overtime games on the road, Austin and Centenary, um, both almost identical scores, 75-68 and 76-68. Uh, of course, you then returned uh, against Austin and Centenary the next weekend at home and beat them in a little bit easier. Could you read into the Trinity, Texas, into Southwestern and say maybe the big win over Trinity trapped you into the Southwestern game? And I know the trap word's a tricky one, but. Yeah, it's a tricky word, but it's. Do I feel like it had some effect? Yes. Did I warn the kids? Okay, you (laughs) get over it. We better be ready to play Tuesday night at Southwestern. I told them. And I told them. (laughs) Yeah. Sit in their head. It didn't get through. Uh, but I don't want to take anything away from Southwestern either. They played sure. much better than we did. Uh, and to be real honest, I think the scheduling part of it on my part was not real smart. Uh, you know, we ended up playing, you know, beating Trinity that Saturday, Tuesday road game, Friday road game, Sunday road game, not real smart by the coach. <laughs> so, uh, that didn't help. The mileage that we covered was unreal. And so three road games after that wasn't the brightest thing in the world. But, I mean, we struggled. We overcame. I'll be real honest. By the time we got to Centenary and Shreveport that Sunday, we looked like we were in slow motion. Mm -hmm. We had three games in six days. I mean, the NBA hardly does that. So, But we managed somehow to survive and win the two. So. You know, and then we came back and played in our place. And like every college team, you're a lot better at home than you are on the road. Oh, absolutely. You you mentioned you're you're at fault for the scheduling, but they're conference games. Did you adjust something about them, or are you guys? It's up to you to schedule we, some of those. Yeah, we have travel partner games. Right. Okay. Western and TLU are travel partners. Yeah. Trinity Shrine are travel. You can play your travel games whenever. Ah, uh, okay. And originally, when we scheduled it, it was supposed to be. The road game and then two home games. Well, Centenary has gymnastics, so they had to flip their schedule because they're hosting a gymnastics meet. Oh. Because we flip our schedule in the middle of the season, you know, conference, and it ended up where we had three straight road games. Gotcha. Like I said, it wasn't the thing in the world. <laughs> well, the advantage is you ended up not playing Austin Centenary, uh, Shriner, and Trinity back-to-back-to-back-to-back all on the road. Um, but you do have Shriner and Trinity coming up. Obviously, Trinity's right. probably got it seg- circled with you guys. Oh, it okay. is their only loss. Uh, what do you expect from them? And furthermore, um, what do you... How do you... Th- can you beat them a second time? Well, we'll find out. <laughs> uh, I set myself up for that. Well, yeah. Uh, <laughs> You know, beating them over there is hard to do. Now, have we done it before? Yes. Yes. We did it last year. And, you know, to be real honest, for the thorn in their side. Yeah. 
We, you know, every year we've been in the conference, we've beat them at least one time. Uh, so we're, I don't want to say we're enemies or something like that. Cause no. it's not like that. Uh, are we a big rival with them? Yes. Do they like to beat us? Yes. Do we like to beat them? Yes. And that's the way it should be. Uh, but right now, our focus is on Shriner Friday night. And I know people don't like to hear it, but our next game is our biggest game. Yes. Shriner only has two losses. Yep. One of them's us over here. So there are two losses. We've got one. If they knock us off Friday night, we've got two losses, and we've got to go to Trinity Saturday. So it could be bad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so right now our focus is winning Friday Saturday will take care of itself uh, yep. and if you're asking do I feel like we could compete with Trinity yes we can Sure. we can compete with Shriner yes we can will we win don't know uh, like I tell my kids I can get you a good shot but I can't make it for you Yeah, that's a good point if the opportunity you've got to do it because they don't let me shoot <laughs> a couple of times this year I wished I could have, but they don't let me. And uh, we'll give you the opportunity to win. You've got to take advantage of it. Yeah, kind of the way the conference is set up, you're playing one of the top four, one of the top teams or the one of the top half teams every week because the travel partner, one happens to be at the top half, one happens to be the bottom. Of Austin's three losses in conference, two of them are to you. You do have Shriner coming up, one out of two, and Trinity coming up. The only loss is to you. Uh, Shriner's got the craziest uh, record here, eight and eleven and six and overall and six and two in conference. Which we'll talk about men's here coming up with our next guest and wackiness on that side. But you know, this is a tough little stretch here. You know, you might have an off game against the lower half of the conference, but you immediately have a top half on the other side. It's a lot of focus involved right now. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, some of the teams like Centenary, they don't have. But yeah. if you look at their athlete, you know, we played them here last Saturday and handled them pretty good. You know, I forgot it's 95 to whatever, 60-something. Yeah. They have athletes. Yeah. Uh, to be real honest, they got better athletes than we do. And they're way down in the bottom. I'm going to beat some people before this year's over. Uh, so uh, there's not really any gimme games in this league. And, and that's another thing, you know, as far as our league is concerned, you know, and I'm going to whine and cry like all the other coaches do. <laughs> our conference doesn't get enough credit. Trinity can play with anybody. Mm -hmm. Before we beat them, they beat three top 20 teams. Yep. And they come over here and we beat them. Uh, you know, Austin College is pretty good. Yeah. Not bad. Uh, Shriner went to the, to the final game last year. At the tournament against Trinity, yeah, and they're eight and eleven, uh, you know, and and out of conference, we Howard Payne's a very good team. They're winning the West of the American Southwest Conference. We beat them, you know, and uh, you know every conference is going to whine and cry. Well, we didn't go, we don't get enough in the all that stuff. Uh, but I really feel it. We should be at least. Uh, you know, probably a two-bid league, and we usually just get one. Yeah. So, you know, everybody's going to cry and whine. So I figured this is my chance to cry and whine. <laughs> so I'm going to step up and do it. Go but for I, it. SCA is better than we get credit for. 
I think on the men's side and the women's side. Now the men's side's wacky this year. Again, we'll we'll talk about that. But no, you got a fair point, and I wouldn't be surprised to see two Texas teams come out or two Texas teams, two SCAC teams come out of this uh, this season. Um, I think you and, and Trinity are certainly in the best shape, but you're right about Austin uh, being in pretty good shape too. And who, obviously, whoever wins the AQ is going to determine a lot of this. Yeah. Um, Let's say Usher Austin wins it. You're going to tell me you're going to you know that means Trinity's probably. 24 and one or 23 and two, and they're not getting in. Yeah, exactly. No, I agree with you. Um, Sometimes it does come down to those factors, but I agree with you real quick before I let you go. Interesting story. You were a a coach in high school for a long time. You became an assistant coach at TLU and then the head coach decided to leave and you took the interim job, but you decided to stay on. What, what intrigued you so much about staying in the college game? Uh, Honest answer. <laughs> Whatever uh, answer you want to give me. Well, <laughs> I came over as an assistant for Coach Long. Roxanne was here. She had two of my players. I had retired from high school. I coached in high school, at one high school for 26 years. She needed an assistant to help coach the post. So I came over. So I knew the kids. Also, we recruit. I was assigned the recruiting coordinator job. Well, mm-hmm. I'm just coming out of high school, well, I knew every high school coach in this area. Sure. The years. So it was a natural fit. And then when Roxanne took the Roger State job in Oklahoma, too, uh, she said the only way I'll take that job and leave here is if you promise you'll take over. Oh, boy. Like a dummy, I go, well, yeah, I'll do that. (laughs) Here I am. uh, But I really love it. This This is the best place I've ever worked ever coached in a place in 42 years of coaching yeah but i love it here the people are great here i've known a lot of these coaches in the other sports because they're retire rehire you know they were in high school then they came over to the college level we've got a small uh well-knit community professors here uh you know and it's just as our ad always says it's great to be a bulldog so uh, I really like it here, and uh, you know, I this is my last go round. So sure, I'm gonna ride this horse till it drops. I think so. Well, uh, enjoy the ride. We are certainly enjoying watching the Bulldogs. As always on this show, we give the coach the final word. Any final thoughts you want to share with those tuning in? Um, no, it's just I'm glad you do this, and uh, I'm glad you give D3 basketball exposure. You do. And, uh, you know, people don't really, you know, they want to think D3 is like a step above intramural basketball or something. There's some very good D3 players in men and women's side. And when they, when I get them to come, some of my ex high school coaching buddies come over and watch us play, they go, I didn't realize how good girls really are, or I didn't realize how good your men really play. Hmm. And, uh, I think it's a good deal that you let people see, you know, the inside workings of D3. So we really appreciate everything you do. Well, thanks, Coach. I appreciate the kind words. And you're right. It is far better. And uh, that's why we it. So uh, good luck the rest of the way, especially the nice run to the end here. Look forward to seeing how the, everything plays out. And hopefully we're rooting for the Bulldogs maybe in the NCAA tournament as well. I'm all for that. Yeah, I figured you were. Coach, take care. Thank you for joining us. Thanks. 
Mel Dixon joining us from TLU once again. Uh, team is 16 and 4 overall, 8 and 1 in conference. Big games ahead. Enter Trinity, Texas. Uh, they'll get Colorado College, uh, University of Dallas, and Southwestern the final three at home. Got to take a break. When we come back, Bill Raleigh will join us from Southwestern. He's got a little idea of how it's happening down in Texas. We'll check in on his thoughts of the SCAC and the ASC. You listen to Hoops Hope, presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC. After this, we've got more schools than Division One, more fans than Division Two, and more upsets than March Madness. There's 800 programs with over 11,000 games leading to two national championships. And we've been covering it all for over a decade. From Eastern to Occidental, from Puget Sound to Piedmont, from Southwestern to New England, and from Hope to Calvin. Nobody covers Division Three basketball like we do. We're D3Hoops.com at www.D3Hoops.com. For the love of the game, that's what it's all about, they say. But for those of us who are Division Three student-athletes, it's more than that. It's more about team and the schools and communities we represent. And for the many of us blessed with the strength to compete in sport at the college level, we understand that with what we were given comes a special obligation. An obligation to help those who have their own special needs. And love for the game is no less intense. That is why NCAA Division Three teamed up with Special Olympics. Since August of 2011, we and others from Division Three campus communities have volunteered more than a quarter million hours, time away from the classroom and practice field, reaching across the country to coach and mentor special athletes. And to learn that in giving, we receive so much more in return. Help us keep that dream alive. Be part of it. Get involved. You can make a difference. My name is Marcus Walker. I was All-State, won a state championship, a high school All-American, and played pro ball. I played because I love the game. I grind to be the best. I sweat because I put in work. I'm strong because I believe. When I want to bring it before game time, I come to the house that college basketball built, the CBE. No matter your skill, take it to another level. Elevate your game right here at the College Basketball Experience Center. Hey, welcome back to Hoopsville, everybody. Hope you're enjoying the marathon. We're a little bit behind. Not a big deal. We'll catch up pretty darn quick. But if you got questions for us, tweet us at D3Hoopsville or hashtag Hoopsville. Email us, Hoopsville at D3Hoops.com or join us on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Hoopsville. I know we got some questions we have to answer soon. We will try and get to those. Uh, We had built in some time to float uh, to get those in, and we've already kind of blown through those. So we'll continue to work to get back on track. Just got done talking to Texas Lutheran head coach uh, Mill. um, Sorry. Brain, I literally just froze there on that one. Mel Dixon joined us on the women's side of a pretty good Bulldog squad and a pretty good SCAC race. Thought we'd get a little different perspective on the area in Texas and the SCAC and especially uh, the ASC. So we go back to the Hoopsville Hotline, sponsored by the city of Salem. And joining us is former Southwestern men's basketball coach, now assistant uh, athletics director Bill Raleigh, a uh, friend of the program. Bill, good to see you. Good to hear from you, sir. Uh, good to hear from you, too, Dave. It's uh, been a while and. Hopefully we'll get together down in Salem for the uh, NABC uh, All-Star Game and Championships this year. Absolutely. You're right. It has been a while, but I always enjoy chatting with you. Um, Now that you've been out of coaching, I know you're probably enjoying it a little bit more. Uh, um, (laughs) Let's talk about, if you don't mind, starting with that SCAC women. Obviously, being at Southwestern, you know it well. Southwestern beat Texas Lutheran shortly after they played Trinity. You two are the uh, travel partners together. 
Um, how good is this SCAC? Uh, Mel, you know, Mel tried to, to sell us on it. Is it is the sell worth buying? The, the Texas Lutheran and Trinity are very good. Um, you know, both of them. The Texas Lutheran did, did not play well here when when our women beat them, um, but but you can see they're talented. And, and Trinity is just is loaded. Um, I know they've had some injuries um, lately, but they're they're just really good. So those two are kind of above and beyond. Austin College, right there. We just saw them last weekend, and they're solid. Um, uh, you know, this could be too. So, and then there's a little bit of a gap to Shriner and Southwestern, and then uh, unfortunately the the bottom is a little bit weak in Dallas Center and Colorado College. But um, you know, I think the top two are as good as anybody, uh, which is which is fun to watch. Um going to probably have to get back and, and beat TLU here. Um, well, they can't afford the loss is what I guess I can get at if they wanted to control that tournament coming through San Antonio. Um, but does Austin play a bigger role here? Does Shriner pick, play a bigger role maybe than, than what it looks like, especially a Shriner that's 8-11 and 11 overall? So the way the SAAC works is the we're actually Southwestern's hosting the tournament. Oh, um, that's so right. It, so it's uh, and part of that is because of Colorado and Center being so far away. But, yeah, I forgot about um, that. So we're hosting the tournament. So so it's it'd be on a neutral floor for those two teams. Um, it's more so you know Trinity looks probably in good shape you know as an at large team right. Now. Um, I would I would assume nationally at eighteen and one, I think Texas Lutheran is the one who's got to continue to win games. You know if they get knocked off by some of these teams below them, I think uh, Texas Lutheran and Southwestern are playing Shriner and Trinity this yeah. weekend, um, and you know on the road, those are big games for TLU to position themselves for that long. If they don't if they you know Trinity and South and uh, Trinity and Texas Lutheran get to the final. So um, a little different with the neutral court, um, but you know both those teams are, are quality. You know, as I always said, he's about three games in February play. Whoever's playing well at the time has a chance to chance to win it. So, uh, but I think Austin College is really good. Shriners is solid, getting better um, every day. They've been they're a young club. They've got some real good young players. So, those five are going to be very interesting. Um, but I do think there's a gap with Texas Lutheran and, and Trinity. Uh, we are talking to Bill Raleigh, despite the fact that one of my graphics says you're Rusty Egan. Um, so you've changed <laughs> dramatically on me. It's amazing. Uh, <laughs> let's switch over to the ASC on the women's side. Obviously, we're in divisions here. Texas-Dallas getting the attention at the top, 17-3 overall, 11-1 in conference. Texas Tyler has had a really tough season. Despite being 15-5, they're 8-4 in conference. They take some losses that have surprised some people. And then on the other side, Howard Payne is 9-2. Hard, Mary Harden-Baylor is 6-5 along with State. Uh, Howard Payne's twelve and eight overall, thirteen and seven is Mary Harden Baylor. What's the makeup of the ASC on the women's side this year? Uh, be honest with you, I don't not do not know that much about them. Um, I know Texas Dallas is always very good. She does a great job up there. UT Tyler's been um, that's a place that's just going to get better and better as they go. Going you know, a little bit surprising. Mary Harden Baylor is normally very very good, um, and Harden Simmons is down. They've been they've been good in the past. Um, Hard Payne and Concordia are, are up at the top. So, I mean, again, it's a pretty balanced league. Um, they go four uh, four from each side get in, um, and I believe that the West is hosting it this year. So Howard Payne's in a position spot to host this tournament, which is you know when you can host on your home floor, it can be a great advantage for you. But far um, after that, we saw uh, UT Dallas. I think our women scrimmage them, and, and they're real good uh, as always. So yeah, that's that's the truth. On the men's side. Uh, Letourneau's been the surprise. We had their coach on a recent Hoopsville. They've jumped out on their side of the division, 16-4, and 9-3, and three, ahead of Texas Tyler and ahead of Texas Dallas. Of 
course, Texas Dallas having a rough season at seven and thirteen. And Harden Simmons is my dark horse, though their loss recently concerns me. Um, fifteen and five overall. They got one of the most dynamic players in Division Three, and then a bunch of great players. And they're nine and two in conference. Concordia, Texas, is a little bit of a surprise at fourteen and six, nine and three. Uh, do you have a pulse on this ASC? Is it maybe undersung, or or maybe beating themselves up a little too much? Well, it's it's interesting. I mean, the the east of the of the ASC is just flipped. Um, you know, Texas, Dallas, East Texas Baptist have been yeah dominated that league the last few years, and Laterno's really come out of nowhere to put together a great season um, and done some good things. And Texas Tyler has, has just gotten better and better. Another, you know, again that that's a that's a program to keep an eye on um, because it's it's a got great facilities. It's a state school. Uh, they've got some built-in advantages, and they have a chance. Real good. The problem is, and it's always been with the, with the ASC, is they beat each other up. Yeah. And you know, it's tough to you know when your, your leading team has four losses already. Um, with three weeks to go in the season, it's going to be tough to get a second bid out of that league. Um, and I, we've seen Harden Simmons and Concordia and Howard Payne and Mary Harden Baylor <laughs> on the West. I've seen all four of those teams play, and they're all all very very good. So uh, Mary Harden Baylor again, you know, thirteen and seven, but only six and five in conference. It's yeah. the first time they're on the outside looking in, um, and their team, if they can get in, they're going to be very very dangerous. And you know, Texas Dallas coach Butterfield up there has always done a good job there. You know, five and seven and thirteen, but you know they're one. If they can get in there, you you know you never count them out either. So <laughs> um, it's a you know it's really it's a it's a it's an odd league. You know, said with right now, Mary Harden Baylor's on the outside looking in. That would be shocking. You know, and then UTD going in as a as a three or four seed on on the East is shocking. Um, but again, Laterno is is real, you know a long way away from Central Texas. They're up on the in in the pan or in the east uh, yeah the east side of Texas. There, they're you know, they've really come out of nowhere and uh, obviously had a great year and done uh, beaten several schools in, in the SCAC. So they're doing doing some good things. But I have not laid eyes on them yet. Um, but I get a chance to see them sometime, but I've not seen them yet. And you saying Texas is a big state? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Somebody who grew up on the East Coast, it's uh, yeah. You know, it's about a four and a half hour drive from here to Laterno, and yeah. you know, where I grew up in New Jersey, that's four states. Yeah. So, yep. Um, I, uh, when I traveled to my parents' place in Maine, it's about a hour trip. Uh, recently, I did a nonstop trip from Baltimore to Tucson with friends. It took us longer to go from the eastern point to the western point of Texas with not that many stops. So yeah, yeah. Uh, pretty crazy. Uh, let's switch over to the SCAC on the men's side. This has got to be one of the crazier conferences. It wasn't everybody had losing records. Um, Colorado College was leading the conference at 7-13. and 13. Now they're 6-3. and three. Um, Shriner was below 500, but now they're 10 and nine, seven and one. Texas Lutheran 12 and eight, six and three. But there was a point where everybody either had a losing record in the conference and a winning record overall, or a losing winning winning conference record. I, I kept looking at it, going, "Is something wrong with our website?" Uh, it's it, it's very interesting. Sorry, I have a little bit of a cold down Darn. here, but um, you know, the weather got below 70 in Texas. <laughs> it, it, it threw me for a loop. Oh, um, you poor boy. Yes, uh, <laughs> it, it's been. It, this is an interesting, interesting year in the in the SEAC because you know Shriners is a really good club. I mean, they they are big and long and, and can score and defend really well and all that stuff. So they're very, very solid. But you know, they none of these teams did a great job out of conference. Beating yeah. some people, they played played some good people. I know Schreiner went out and Texas, 
um, Whitman and Whitworth and, and challenge themselves on a Calif- uh, Trinity's Mountain, California, southwestern route to California um, to play. So it's you know it, it's a very balanced league, um, really one to eight. University of Dallas is struggling a little bit right now, but they've had several close games. They lost a double overtime game to Trinity last weekend. Shot. I mean, so it's there's not a big difference. There's going to be there's going to be some shuffling going on over these last three weeks of the, of the conference season. You know, like I said before, Southwestern and TLU are at Shriner and Trinity this weekend. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how that shakes out. Um, and then Trinity and, and uh, Shriner end up going center the following weekend, um, which will be you know there'll be a lot of movement in the standings. And we we only take the top six. Um, so two teams will be on the outside looking in. So there's a lot of movement still to go with, with pretty much everybody still involved. Um, obviously, Dallas has got to do some work because it was Austin College. But uh, it, it's a pretty bad league, uh, which is which – is, it's fun from a, from a basketball point of view, from, from our perspective. But, again, I, you know, we're not getting anybody uh, – you know, our, our qualifier is going to go. And I think yeah. we'll represent pretty well. But um, we're not – you know, only, with only three teams above 500, it's a – uh, it's been a tough, tough year, but you know, against a balanced, balanced league. Um, obviously, a former coach at Southwestern, you know this league. This is probably the kind of year that, as you said, as a fan, it's great. You're probably glad you're not coaching right now. Yeah, because you can shuffle. <laughs> I mean, you you have a bad weekend. Yeah, and, and you can shuffle down the down, or someone can from below you can come up the the list very, very quickly. Yeah. Um, and it's a. Uh, you know, so so, it, but you know, again, it's it's one of those years which which you actually like as a coach is you know it's easy to tell your kids you got to play well. Yeah. You know, you, if you don't play well, you can be, be beat by anybody. If you do play well, you can get beat by anybody. You know, uh, Schreiner's sitting there seven and one, and I had a conversation with Coach Cunningham this morning, and you know, I saw them play. They end up beating us here, and you know, if they play well, you know, they're 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 going to be in that ball game and have a chance to win it. Um, you know, that's all you want as a coach is be able to put yourself in a, in a position to have a chance to win and make some plays at the end of the game. So um, it'll be it'll be a lot of fun, and it'll make the conference tournament uh, very very interesting because it's going to be right on. And to give people perspective here, Shriners on top at ten and nine overall. They've won five straight. They were four, you know they were five and nine not that long ago. Southwestern was six and nine not that long ago yep. um, before these stretches. Hey, real quick, now that the program uh, the tournament's up to sixty four teams, you know we always talk about the bipod possibly being in Texas. We don't have these bipods anymore. Um, they're going to have to do some cr- more creative scheduling. You're a man who certainly knows how this has worked over the years. Have you guys down in Texas kind of realized that maybe there's a better chance to either host or get an extra team in or at least go somewhere else where you don't have to play a Texas team? There's a, there, there's a good thing. Um, it's going to be, uh, be honest with you. I mean, I have not even thought of. I'm doing so many other things that I haven't even thought about that. I'll jump off that bridge when it comes. But it, it is. It's going to be great for Texas because we've always had that where the ASC champion plays the SCAC champion and they're going someplace. And that's a you know the. the I mean, I've come to that realization. I know you and I have had many, many conversations about it. It's not fair. It's not right, but it's reality. Yeah. You know, the the schools that are isolated, Whitman and Whitworth play in the first round a lot of times, or you know, or in the second round, or they do. You know, they take these teams that are away, and you're just playing each other. Um, the CCIW has always been complaining because you know, after the first set of games, they're playing each other before. You know, when they could have two or three teams possibly get into the final four, if they're spread out. They're knocking each other out early, you know, and um, it, it's unfortunate, but that's that's just the reality of it. It's going to be great from the standpoint. I think it's going to give the Texas schools an opportunity to be in one spot and play those games. 
it's very, very difficult to play. You know, you play Thursday night. Yeah. And then Saturday. Yeah, you're getting on a plane Friday and having to get someplace and then play Saturday is, you know, that that's a real, real big hill to climb. Well, and not to mention on a plane early <laughs> Friday night, early enough on Friday that you get into town on Friday early enough to listen in on Friday before you play on Saturday. Yeah, which, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, really not from a coaching point of view, not exactly conducive to, you know, and then you're not playing, you're not playing the system of the poor. I mean, you're going to play somebody really good on their floor. Um, so it, it, I mean, really makes it very difficult. Yeah. So, so I think that's, that's more, you know, I don't know if we're going to get any more hosting opportunities. Um, you know, it may give us a little bit if they, you know, instead of, especially we have two teams that are close, um, they may may make sense from the SA to bring people in, but it's going to give you the opportunity to go someplace on that Wednesday and get ready for your Thursday game and be able to, you know, and then if you do win, be able to be ready for that game and have a fighting chance, yeah. um, which I think is, which that is great. And it's one of those ones that just, you know, made me nuts for years when, you know, we, 64 just made sense and we had it at 64 and, yep, then, yep. and so they came in with their ratios and then, you know, screwed the whole thing up. And then we're at, you know, we're at 59 at one time and then 60 and really, it doesn't make it, you know, why yeah. it's not that much more. So, well, it's good. But, to, it's good to get there to 64. And unfortunately, um, uh, as you said, it, who knows what the impact on Texas is going to be, but at least you're heading to a site for a weekend versus jumping in through airplanes and hoops and all that stuff for two yeah. possible games. Well, and, and, and that's why I think I've been a big proponent of conference championships. I think conference championships are the best thing that places do, and I wish I wish we would have more access, meaning you know more teams get to go to them because you know that that should be the what everybody aspires to is winning your conference championship, and then the NCAA tournament becomes becomes gravy because yeah. at the end of the day, there's there's only a handful really have a chance of winning it um and you know that means there's 400 and some odd schools that don't yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you know so give them the opportunity to do it on their home floor and, and and be able to celebrate with their teammates and all that stuff and and then it goes you know i i've always said i didn't have a lot of sympathy for coaches who complained because they you know didn't like their team there were there are a lot of us including myself when i coached for a lot of years <laughs> who would have liked to have that problem yeah uh, there's over 400 schools wishing they could be in the sweet 16 yeah so I would, I, you know, and I would go play anywhere you wanted me to play to have that opportunity. But um. fair point, good perspective to say the least. Uh, sir, I got to let you go, but the update and giving a sense of what uh, the temperature in Texas is real and not real. Uh, as always, we give the guests the final word. Any final thoughts for those tuning in? Well, no, th- you know, Dave, thank you for what you do. It's been, you know, here at Hoopsville and, and D3Hoops.com have done so many great things for Division Three. so uh, we're proud of that. And, and uh, it's a great time of the year. This is where it gets a lot of fun as the conferences get heat, races heat up and championships are on the horizon. It's always fun to play, being a, being a ball game. So You're right. Uh, hopefully we, you and I talk beforehand, but I look forward to seeing you in Salem. Okay, sounds good. Take care, Bill. All righty. Bill Riley joining us from the South Region down in Texas at Southport from him. Running a little behind, so we're going to get right to break. Waste no time. Up next, we jump back up into the east. We'll talk to um, Jason Leon of Oswego. Find out what the heck is going on with his team. They're on top of the Suniac yet again. But that's not how it looked when it started this season. You're listening to Hoops Hope presented by D3Hoops.com from the WBCA and ABC Studios. More on when we come back. 